What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into a very, very steamy, spicy, blood-sucking saga today. Oh. It's our special <laughs> Valentine's Day episode, which we never really do, but we're doing it this year because I am taking advantage of an opportunity that I just could not let pass me by. And I have forced <laughs> Roshane to watch every single Twilight film so that we could talk about it today with you, homies, but also with another very special homie. I could not face this alone. I had to bring in another Twilight expert to discuss this just mammoth of a series with me. And Roshane, but he's here too. But yeah. specifically, I needed someone <laughs> to, uh, to be on my side a little bit as well. So if you homies would please give a warm welcome to our friend from Spooky Tuesday, Chelsea. Woo! Hi! <laughs> Yay! Glad to be here. An honor. Yay! Thank you so I much. I mean, I'm really excited to do Twilight. I've always maintained the best way to watch it is with somebody who's already seen everything and one person who hasn't seen any mm -hmm. of it. So mm -hmm. yeah. This is the way to do it, I think. This is the way to do it. And honest and actually, Roshane and Chelsea did get to watch basically like half majority the together. Yeah. Yeah. He cut he cut me off before the breaking I dawn. I did. But... I did stop you at breaking dawn, but there were, I had gotten a lot of Edward and Bella at that point. And I just needed a little bit of a breather. Mhm. Mm uh, did you know? He needed time to decide <laughs> what side he was really mm -hmm. on, which we will I'm excited to. I've talked as I've tried to talk as little as possible with you before recording so that I don't know too too much what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Um but you already know my thoughts on some things. So I'm excited to learn your thoughts. Because to be clear, um, Roshan has never seen these movies before. Mm -hmm. Did you know that they were each like two hours long? That part I did not know. That was yeah. uh, that was news to me in the moment. But it was honestly kind of okay. Because these films do fly by, in my opinion. And I think you'll find it's a really reasonable runtime for how long the books are actually. So that's true. They were working in moderation. True. That's true. True. Um, it's still a lot of Twilight, but it was a lot more enjoyable to watch through than what I thought. Just looking at time alone, just looking at the those time signatures, I thought this might be a mission, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to do 10 hours, but <laughs> six hours, manageable. Six hours yes. as daunting. And to be fair, that's how I split mine up, too. I did the first three, and then I did... Because you you have to do now that they're both out. You you do have to do... Like, it doesn't make sense to split up the Breaking Dawns. So you no, might as yeah, well watch absolutely. them back yeah. to back. So it's like once you commit to a Breaking Dawn, you, ha you commit you to, to four both. hours. So it is the best way, I think, to split them up is <laughs> right before um the wedding why before they get married Aww. get leave a little suspense before the wedding comes and everything pops off in a a spectacular fashion 
absolutely. <laughs> but although it was my first time watching any of these, um, you two are very much experts on this franchise, correct? Have we both read books and watched all the films? Where are we at? Yeah. Okay, Chelsea, you go first. What's your What's your Twilight background? I was a very early adopter of Twilight. Like I read the first book probably within months of it coming out because I mm -hmm. was just one of those um, preteens, early teens who was always at Barnes and Noble getting my stack of books or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like I was on it early, and then by the time the movies came out, it had been a couple of years, and I'd like finished the books, or I think the Breaking Dawn came out after the movies started. Mm -hmm. And so, like, by then I was kind of like, I'm too cool for this, actually. And, like, I'm a little bit of a feminist now. I don't know if you guys have heard about feminism. <laughs> so, like, I don't know about these relationship dynamics. But I was still at Barnes & Noble for the midnight release of Breaking Dawn. I was just like, I'm going to sit over here. I'm not playing trivia with everybody else. Like, I'm a little above that at this point. Uh -huh. But then I circled back around with Twilight Renaissance, as we all must. Right. As you cannot resist. I... <clears throat> I <laughs> was a Twilighter. I don't I don't know what the name is. A Twihard? A Twihard. Twi yeah, I was. I read the book, the first book. As soon as it came out, I was one of those people who stayed up all night to read through the whole book. I got each new book as soon as it came out. I was on the... <laughs> I would go on Stephanie... <laughs> Myers website, website. Yeah, when they announced who they were gonna do a film I went on there to see who like she wanted to play all of the characters who um I know that in the running for Bella was oh gosh what is her name the Emily Browning? yes Emily Browning <laughs> was in the running for Bella <laughs> I really really I was down I was like yeah <laughs> I She's made like my Cavill yeah. for Edward which she's Stephen sure. Strait for Jacob um rachel lee cook for alice obviously i i had the cat i was like this is the cast i mean i yeah. was not upset with who actually was cast it's just i didn't i wasn't familiar with so many of the people that ended up being cast but i made my own list of people i wanted to see in there stop i did i Do said, you remember who was on that list because that's more important to me i'm trying to remember for the record this um, will be the dynamic for this entire episode i promise <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't I wasn't looking up actors specifically. I think okay. I would just go on Google You're and like I'd say brown yeah, eyes, brown hair, yeah. fair skinned, yeah, thing and then I just picked the like picture of someone I think I printed them out. Oh I cannot God, I can't for the life of me remember who who was who. But yeah. um yeah, I read all the books. I saw all the movies when they came out. I read Midnight Sun when it got leaked. Ooh, I read it online. Me, me too, but I never finished it when it actually got published. No, same. I by that point I was done. <laughs> but <laughs> the, I, it was a lot of Edward to take in, honestly. It you was. can maybe microdose it a little, but whole book one. Yeah. Time. If you Rough don't know, Roshane, Midnight Sun is Twilight from Edward's perspective. It's oh, the whole lovely. first book. But from Edward, so you get to like see what he did when he went away, when he was gone, and you can be inside of see his, his head. Mean thoughts about everyone. Yeah, and like how mean he He's is and how addicted he is to Bella. You get to be in his wicked little mind. From oh that. wow! Why why didn't we get that movie? That would have been a fun spinoff. You can mm. kind of read it in his face if you're looking for it. Um, it is yeah. present in the film. Okay. It, it's not, uh, yeah, 
It's not necessary to. to you know, your reaction gave me everything I needed to know, Erica. It's it's all right. It's all right. Um, but yeah, I was all about them. I I feel like Twilight. I would never probably be able to get through the book now, okay. just because I don't I think, think that. Surprised. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know if I could. She, like, a, she could, writes in a very compelling soap opera storytelling way. You get sucked in. Maybe I'll try. I don't know. But I was Read down bad. Read the host instead. Okay. Well, I was down bad for these books when they came out. And so they hold, Twilight holds a very special place in my heart, which is why I was so, but I am also among the camp of, I think, most people now who can also admit that these movies are cheese to the highest degree, but that does not stop my love for them. And in fact, it only enhances my love for these films. So do without yeah, what you will. I think you're not allowed to. <laughs> hate them until you love them and that's kind of how it works and if yeah. you just normal hate them and you never loved them at any point that is actually i think um misogyny so well funny so <laughs> funny enough i do think that like twilight yeah, i'm completely now uh twilight <laughs> at this point in time has reached a nice equilibrium where i feel like all of us who grew up alongside the height of twilight have moved on enough that it's hard to hate the franchise where i'm like someone like me who has not seen any of them i've seen a lot of memes about twilight i've seen little bits and pieces of twilight but like the hatred that kind of surrounded twilight or like that pushback that existed years ago i don't really think it's there anymore i think now especially towards these movies you kind of have the people that never saw them or the people that saw them and enjoyed them for what they are introducing them to more people and i kind of think that there's a nice balance there because like I wasn't necessarily hyped to watch all the Twilight films, but I wasn't afraid of the journey of watching the Twilight films. I'm like, it's just something, it's a fandom that I did not get to participate in during the time. So here right. I am as a full grown adult watching these forever teens fall in love. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not yeah. the worst thing in the world. And I do think having some time removed from the like insane fandom that was Twilight it's kind of helpful to like digest it nowadays. Mm, I, yeah. Yeah. I remember when the movies came out, like I said, I was kind of over it. So I would always like wait a few weeks to go to the theaters because I was like, I'm going, but I'm roasting them with my friend while we're watching. But we don't want to ruin anyone's experience. But we don't also want anyone screaming over our experience. either. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we want to hear the film. Yeah. We don't right. want all the constant cheering in the theater. Right. 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 And I think I also was, a, I don't think I saw, I definitely didn't see all of them in theaters. I think Twilight is the only one I actually went to go see in theaters and then the rest I would wait until it came out. I also had Twilight on DVD and I used to exclusively watch it with the director's commentary because I thought it was. Which was great. Because Kristen Stewart and Edward Pattinson are like, Edward Pattinson? <laughs> <laughs> Robert Pattinson <laughs> are very, very um, charming people. And it was fun to listen to them like make the movie because you can hear in their voices as well that they understand how ridiculous everything is. But they're like, hey, they know I, what they're in. I, yeah. you would do a two for a check. And I enjoyed that. Um, also, I did remember two people that I uh, fan casted for Bella was Daniel Panabaker. Mm-hmm. And Evan Rachel Wood. Okay. Those are two Great of my, my fan cast. Love those options. Yeah. Uh, but uh, something that we're going to do a little bit different today is because it's the Valentine's Day episode and because of what we're talking about, instead of doing a scare scale, we are going to be doing a romance scale. 
But before we do that, I would like to give our shout out for this episode. For this episode shout out, we would like to shout out uh, Kels Sweetie on Instagram, aka Kelsey Thomas. This is actually a great time to hop into her account if you are a book lover, if you're always looking for book recommendations and don't want to jump into a full book without really knowing if you're going to like it or if it's exactly your vibe, then please check out her page, get into her book reviews. This is actually a great time to hop in to her account as horror lovers because she's actually doing a Black Horror Month readathon. And so this whole month, you will get book recommendations, but also movie recommendations that are focused on black horror. And that'll be all throughout February. So like I said, if you're a book lover, you're always looking for new books and you want to get someone else's opinion on whether it's worth or not worth a read, especially for horror thriller books. Maybe if that's something that it's kind of hard to find ones that you really like or that are really successful, then please go check out her account. Once again, that is Kels Sweetie on Instagram. Okay, like I said, we're doing a romance scale today. Um, we're going to still have it with five being the pinnacle, the height of romance, and one being a major ick. What would you guys and we're doing this for the whole saga okay. because we're going to be covering all of the movies today. We're just going to be going in order of them. So take the entire go ahead and take their their whole love story into account. Where would you rank all of the Twilight movies, the Twilight saga on the romance scale? Let's start with Chelsea. Yeah, I kind of feel like um. I don't know if you guys read the books, but like that this is the truest love story that ever was. So I feel like it has to be. A five on the romance scale. Um, they would kill for each other. They would die for each other. I feel like if you're not out of five, I don't know what you watch. <laughs> um, I I do feel like maybe I should dock some points for Ick because like, would I want to have that kind of love? No, right. I don't think so. Um, and there's also a lot of really horrifying elements in these movies. They are horror movies in many ways. Um, but I, it, it's the truest love story that ever was. So they're better than Romeo and Juliet. It's, it's a five. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go next. I'm going to say Bro Shane's romance scale for last. Okay. I am going to give the Twilight saga. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.7. Because something you guys will come to realize throughout us talking about this is I have a lot of issues with this love triangle and the way that it's portrayed. It bugs the absolute <laughs> shit out of but me. But it got resolved. <laughs> but the journey there, oh, it's a little bit tedious for me personally. Um, as far as Edward and Bella's romance, it's not bad, but uh, just going strictly <laughs> off of the movies, it's also mm-hmm. absurd. The speed of which everything happens is a little bit hard to swallow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yep. Timeline's really condensed. It's yeah. so condensed. It's just like super squished, flat <laughs> as a pancake. Um, and also every time they kiss, they kiss like it hurts. Like every kiss is so painful. It's agony for him, Erica. But for her too. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to hurt for Bella. It's supposed to be like, Ugh. he won't slip her the tongue. That's agony. Oh, it's the it's the breathing into each other's mouths <laughs> gets me 
gets me in a bad way. Uh, so yeah, I don't. That's I just can't go any like I can't go too high. It is sweet <laughs> at times, but I can't go any higher than like a three point seven just because of those specific reasons. <laughs> okay, okay. Surprisingly enough, I'm actually gonna be above Slay. Erica in the romance scale here. <laughs> um i'm gonna go ahead and give it like i'm gonna say like a 4.2 out Whoa! of five on the romance <laughs> okay. scale because like look <laughs> now hear me out i actually g- agree with everything that you're saying erica there's a lot of problematic toxic things that should not be happening happening in this love triangle relationship whatever you want to call it but in terms of romance right i feel like the story of edward and bella has everything that every romance I've ever seen ever has had. Like, it's got the lovey-doveyness. It's got the sweetness. It's got the tenderness. It's also got the drama. It's got the cheating. It's got the meeting the families. It's got marriage. It's got childbirth. Like, we truly (laughs) do (laughs) go through the entire gambit as far Mm -hmm. as relationships go. And by the end of it, I don't hate the couple. So I'm like, I got to give them points for like, we get there in the most whirlwind, wacky way, humanly imaginable. But by the end of it, I'm still kind of like, oh, when I see them together. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give it a 4.2 out of five on the romance scale. Yeah, I mean, I think they're soulmates. And if we didn't know that they were soulmates, maybe we would look at their story differently, but they are, you know? So like, in the end... That's what matters, mm. right? We'll give we'll give them more points on the scale, but we are not <laughs> forgiving some of the shit that happens in this no. franchise. We won't, and we no can't. Way. So, without further ado, let's break it down a little bit more. Talk <laughs> in depth about everything that happens throughout the romance, the tumultuous romance of Bella and Edward. So. There will be spoilers ahead, homies, so you have been warned. But today we will be going through the entire Twilight Saga film series. These movies are primarily starring Kristen Stewart as Bella, Robert Pattinson as Edward, and Taylor Lautner as Jacob. These are adapted from the books by Stephanie Meyer, and all of the movie's screenplays were written by Melissa Rosenberg. I never given much thought to having a podcast, but having one with a friend seems like a good way to go. So I can't bring myself to regret the decision to cover every single Twilight film, but maybe Roshane would, or maybe he would love it. He would love Edward. He would love the romance, sparkling, Creepy Baby, The Wolf Pack, Anna Kendrick. Maybe he would love it all. I guess at the end of the day, I'm not really sure how he feels. But about three things, I was absolutely positive. First, I was gonna need a friend. Some backup, just in case. Second, there was a part of me, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for the coverage of these films. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably still Team Edward. 
Okay, so starting with the very first movie, I will say each movie I have the regular title and then I have a little subtitle. So I will be reading that out for each of them. But we will be starting with the first Twilight, which came out in 2008. Our Twilight, also known as My Boyfriend, had the skin of a killer. And this one was directed by Catherine Hardwick. So, Chelsea, what is in your notebook for Twilight? Um, You know, I was taking a lot of notes while I was watching. But one of the first things that I noticed was they open on that deer chase scene. And I think it's a great way to set the mood, to remind you you're watching Predator and Prey in many ways to tell you this isn't just a love story. And also, it's a great mirror to the Waylon chasing that comes later. So it's like giving you an element of horror, giving you an element of romance, giving you an idea of the world that we're in right now. Um, I think the first one is a work of art. So I think it really does a lot oh, wow. of heavy lifting to set the scene for the whole franchise. Wow. I, I just <laughs> want to say that like I also had a note in a similar realm about the first sequence. I just love how eloquent yours is because mine is just, I'm fast as fuck, boy, said the deer. <laughs> but Not I like fast your take both. <laughs> Yeah, almost. You thought. So this is, whilst watching the first Twilight, I did text you guys because I did forget how much this one feels like a parody of yeah. A movie, mm-hmm. it, it's it's very hard, particularly now, to take this one seriously. But I also agree with you, Chelsea, in the sense of I think this one does have kind of the hardest job because it has to introduce us into a universe that is so over-the-top melodramatic. And it has to introduce us to characters that we have to then like learn to love but we don't know anything about them in this one. And so it has to set this entire scene of this universe that at this point in time was mainly just loved by like 10-year-old to 16-year-old girls. And like, and we have to bring that to a broader audience, but also bring it to the audience that loves it. It's a hard task. It is such a blue world yeah. that it is we so live in. Blue in this world <laughs> what it's the pacific what northwest timeline, what timeline would we be in if all of the films were this blue i don't know if it would have been that bad <laughs> i actually have a note in here from before the watch um because i still follow some twilight related tumblers and i'm still on tumblr these days of course um and one was <laughs> mentioning the color palettes and i was like oh i have to pay attention to that because they're like the warmer tones of new moon and blah 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 And for a second, I was like, oh, my God, are all of the color palettes of each movie going to be reflective of the name? Like, we're getting warm tones when dawn breaks, but we're getting, like, cool tones at twilight. Um, Mm. That's not exactly what happens. But I will (laughs) say the the blue tones of the first one, I think, are just, like, a part of the very over-stylized element of it. That is what Mm -hmm. makes it work. Like, it is so campy. It is so soapy. And that's kind of what allows you to buy into this world where feelings are so big that it's like, I met you five days ago and I die for you. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what sets the stage. And I also have in here, um, and I don't want anybody to get mad at me for this, but I put 
not to compare Twilight to everything everywhere all at once, but it kind of does the thing <laughs> of having so many ridiculous little moments that it's able to disguise when those moments are plot relevant and plot information and when something is just like for fun. So they're able to give you all of this fun, weird stuff and also information without being like, we are going to kill someone later, but we need you to care about them now. So like, here's what we're doing. Like, they're just throwing in so many little weird things that they're disguising it almost. Okay, so was Vampire Baseball canon? Yes. Um, <laughs> is Super Massive Black Hole playing in the book? No, you have to play that yourself. But. Okay. But one thing I will say, consistently, the Twilight soundtrack is the tops. Slaps. That is it's something good. I will give to every single Twilight. That soundtrack is unstoppable. Stoppable yeah. and it will heat up your headphones. It's so just a, just they pulled the best songs that not only fit the movie, but are fun to listen to outside of the movie. If you need to know my personality in middle school, it was half the Twilight soundtrack and half the Dr. Doolittle 2 soundtrack. Do with that what you will. But I will die on that hill. It's, it's a good it, it's so it's very good. I actually looked some songs up on Spotify and added them to my <laughs> playlist after rewatching this movie because I forgot. Also, that song that plays when Bella's dying. Do you know what song I'm, I'm talking about, Roshane? Uh, the I one have that's to like that one. <laughs> what a beautiful that's Robert. That's Robert Pattinson. Oh yeah, because he performed <laughs> some of the songs. I remember that. But I, I vaguely remember that song. <laughs> to be honest. Remember, this was at the beginning of a very long marathon, Erica. Roshane did have a comment at some point when he was playing the piano. I think maybe a new moon it was. Oh, And was yeah. like, oh, is One he musical? Like, he made fun. And I was like, he is musical. And actually, he wrote a song for the soundtrack. So, yes. yeah. Let me sign. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> He's actually a musician, let, let, so let's not make fun. <laughs> lest I get misquoted, I remember saying, and I stand by this, Robert Pattinson, to me, strikes me as the kind of guy who would walk onto set and have to play a character that's playing the piano and would say, actually, no, it's okay. I already know how to play. Which is a compliment. I'm like, the guy looks right. musical. That was not the okay. tone that I got from it at the time. Is that how you said that? <laughs> All right. Well, we were also knee deep in Twilight, so perhaps <laughs> my tone was different then. But it was genuinely meant as a compliment. As he strikes me as the type of guy or like actor that you work with that just has a bag of random skills that you would not know that he has. Okay. Like if someone told me Robert Pattinson knew how to use a unicycle, I'd believe it. He strikes me as the and type. And he would say that. And would it be true? That's a different story. But he would say something like that in an interview. He loved to just lie. He would in try. Interviews. <laughs> did he? He loves. Yeah, he loves to say that he did things, but just for fun. It's for jokes. He does it he for will jokes. Say, just for fun. The thing is, you can't tell sometimes because he'll be like, "I did run away yeah. to the circus when I was in my teenage years," and it's like that's a lie. I'm pretty sure. And then he's like, "I will eat dry pasta," and it's like, "Is that a lie?" I think he does eat dry pasta. Or he had Wait, honestly, yeah. though, that's kind of great. I might steal that from him. <laughs> yeah, maybe look up some interviews um, of his. If you Watch like. the director's commentary. See what he says in there. It's 
great. <laughs> I love it. But um, yeah, another thing that like we touched on a little bit before, I think another thing that is hard to sell in this particular movie that plays much better in a book format is everyone's immediate infatuation with Bella. It's so strange. First of all, let's Bella steps foot on the soil. Everybody is feral. Every boy at the school loses their mind. Three different guys just begging for her attention. That's before we even bring Edward on the scene. These men <laughs> are flabbergasted. They've never seen this brown-haired girl <laughs> in their school before. They're like, this is so different, even though Bella looks like every other girl at the school. Um, also, Bella's personality, I think, just plays better on a page. And I want to be clear. There's a lot of very talented actors that work throughout the Twilight franchise. And I think some of them just have more that they're able to do with their characters. And they can like really let that talent shine whilst others are fighting for their lives against the words. Um, both Bella and Edward and Jacob <laughs> later on, I think, are doing the best that they can with what they're given. But like so Anna Kendrick, Jessica, for instance, I feel like she's so good as Jessica. But I also think that Jessica has like more to play with than Bella because Bella is supposed to be a very specific type of person. Bella plays as a very anxious, more reserved personality outwards. And that's all we are able to have from her outside of her relationship with Edward, at least in this first yeah. movie. She has a very internal experience that can be hard to adapt to the screen if you're not going full voiceover the whole time. Right. And I don't think that you want or need that the whole time. But it's yeah. a lot of just like looking at her bite her lip in this movie because Bella does that 170 times per chapter in the books. That's true. Right. And like any character where they are guided by narration is... I feel like almost intrinsically harder because a lot of times you won't get to speak during your scenes then and you just have to show emotion on your face. And for people who have been behind a camera, y'all know reaction shots, some of the hardest things that you can have to do sometimes. Just here's a moment, give me an authentic reaction to that. That was 90% of her script. So like, I know people rag on her for her performance in this one. I think both of them people like to poke fun at how they were kind of handling these roles. But again, a lot of it's just like, all right, stare longingly or just confused at the camera for a long time. You can only do so much with that. Right. And not to mention, after rewatching these films, these reaction shots, they linger on them for a very long time. It's not a quick moment. There's a lot of time where they are just, it's just their face reacting to something for like 10 seconds in the frame. But their characters really have them blocked in to very specific types that they can't really push away from that. I will say, though, I do think that they get better as the series goes along. Like they mm -hmm. are able to play a little bit more because they know each other. They get past this awkward. We're just getting to fall in love phase. And they're a little bit their characters allowed to be a little bit more comfortable. I think especially like Edward they at least let him smile <laughs> towards the later movies. They're like, you feel joy. And that's nice to see because 
he is so solemn and sullen. He's very tortured in oh, the yeah. beginning. But I He's think it makes sense that like as he has love in his life, he sees the joy in things and he learns <laughs> mm-hmm. how to appreciate the little moments. But in the beginning, it is torture for him, you know? Like right. this he first of all, he already hates his whole life and his whole existence because it's been a hundred years of being a soulless monster who kills people and is harmful to everyone around him. And also he's alone and everybody else is coupled up. And it's like, so that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this girl comes along and not only does she threaten his family's survival in this area, but also if they have to move, they have to start over as 14-year-olds again or whatever. <laughs> like – there's a lot at stake here, and um, also she smells delicious, but also he can't read what she's thinking, and so it's like she's this extra special little torture of, like, you see something's weird about us, and I can't – my my job in many ways is to read people's brains and defend my family whenever anybody gets suspicious, but you're kind of suspicious, but I don't know. I can't see what you're thinking about it, so, like, mm-hmm. are we pulling it off? Are we not? Like – I'm going out of my mind over here. Yeah. Bella is not True. like other girls. She is the epitome character of <laughs> I'm not like other girls. And later on, she's not like the other vampires. She's not like other girls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They because loved- she's not like other girls. But actually, I think there's a lot of plot justification for everything. I'm fully ready to buy in. I've circled back around. <laughs> <laughs> but Rush, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, what, what were you going to ask? I want to ask you, going away from just their plot, how do you feel about the supernatural elements in, in the Twilight universe? Like, vampires are very different in this universe. Like, they start to introduce werewolves a little bit in this. But just what do you think about this version of a vampire and their abilities <clears throat> and the things that they can do? It's it's hard. It's It's very hard because, like, at base level, I think all of these are fine. Like, their vampire and their werewolf are very specific to their universe. And I will laugh and talk shit about glitter-skinned Edward for the rest of my life to my absolute grave. Right. Chelsea can attest to this. The amount of giggles that I had when that scene played, legendary. But <laughs> outside of it being kind of ridiculous i think in these in the grand scheme of like vampire lore i think it does work for this story just because it's like it's twilight unique and i don't know if that's a great enough justification but it's something where i'm like when i think about these particular traits of vampires i know that i'm thinking of a twilight vampire Mm -hmm. i know that they're gonna have their special little quirk power in some way shape or form like I know they've got their family dynamics. I know when they go into the sun, they're not going to burst into flames. They're going to sparkle like a disco ball. Right. Like, all of these things are laid out in the first film. And I'm one of those people where I'm like, even if I disagree with what it is on a like intellectual level, if you say this is the game that we're playing and we're going to play this for the rest of the franchise and we stick to that, I'll go along with it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm along for the ride. And that that's how I felt about a lot of the supernatural of Twilight, where I'm just like, at least it was somewhat consistent once things were established. Like even like how the vampires die, they keep it through all of them. Like despite I the fact that it's strange, it. they still it. work with that. <laughs> and just like, yeah, I, I I feel like overall the 
the rules by which they're playing, they continue to play by those rules. And I'm okay with it, even if some of the rules in the book, I think, are a little ridiculous. Some of the rules are a little convenient and not introduced until actually it's very convenient they to have this rule right now. To be introduced, yep. I will say Stephanie Meyer in the books bought herself a little wiggle room because if you really get into the Twilight lore, the werewolves are not werewolves, they're shapeshifters. Um, because they're they don't they're not controlled by the moon, they can shift at mm-hmm. will. Um, they do there is like one mention somewhere in the books of like the children of the moon. So like maybe there are other different actual werewolves out there. And I think there's something in the like Twilight Extended Universe book or whatever that hints at like there's other more traditional vampires, maybe too. So like are these even real vampires? But yeah, I mm-hmm. mean that was one of the big hater points back in the day is like really vampires that don't have fangs that glitter. And it's like, those aren't real vampires. Um, but the thing is that no vampires are real, actually. So like, I don't know why we, <laughs> we can't make our own rules for this particular. Fr- yeah, like, oh, sorry, we got creative. Let me apologize for having an imagination. <laughs> well, and it's very YA. That was that's that's how fantasy novels play out is they find mm-hmm. a way to appeal to teenagers and young adults. I'm not going to feel the same way about this romance if Edward came out like Nosferatu and was trying <laughs> to romance a woman. I'm not going to be intrigued. I'm not going to want to continue to read that series. So, yeah, they play with it. They make it different and romantic, and they make it appeal to teens, and it did. Um there's only so much you can wait there. <laughs> they did what they could with the sparkling. Like I, I yeah. think that it, it honestly gets better too. I will say, I feel like they tone it down a little bit in the next ones mm-hmm. and it plays a little bit more natural, but they were still experimenting with some of the logistics at this point. The scene that I was the most excited for to see adapted to the screen is the ballet scene. Basically everything from when they're on the run to the end when Bella gets her shit rocked. I was really excited to see that on screen. And actually, I think that they did a good job with it. Um, Another thing, I think logistically, they were trying to figure out exactly how these vampires fight and how that looks on screen. I honestly don't think that they really get a handle on it until Eclipse is when it looks the best to me. But I do think that they play all of that out well. And I remember being absolutely floored when I saw this. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say that despite being on board for watching Bella and Edward have their romance and fall in love, um, one of my biggest cons and one of the most difficult things for me to deal with watching through this franchise is literally everything else outside of this of relationship. Romance. Yeah, because like all of the main conflicts of all of these films feel so easily avoidable and solvable outside of the very drastic turns that they take. For instance, for instance, the first Twilight, the main conflict of this film is one rogue vampire can't go hunt somebody else. He has to kill Bella and therefore starts the strife between him and this entire vampire family am i yeah tracking that how's yes, that a loophole though that's correct. Like, what's, what, <laughs> also also the fact that they couldn't have just killed him right then when they had the confrontation on the 
baseball fields. The fact that his family can just kill him immediately. They're when... not murderers. That's their whole But they thing. literally snap his neck and set him ablaze <laughs> the next day. I mean, That's I know they waited. <laughs> I know they waited until he yeah. attacked Bella, but just take care of him. They tried to go for minimal violence. Only strictly <laughs> necessary violence. Yeah. Once and... Bella's bones <laughs> yeah. cracked, then we can kill this man. <laughs> Well, as it was actually explained in the movie, Roshane, um, he's not just a random vampire. His special, his special he's talent is the love of the game. Um, and this is the most exciting game ever because he's never had prey that had a bodyguard before. Um, and the bodyguard is desperately in love with her and is able to call in his vampire family to play bodyguard also so now it's the most exciting game of his life (laughs) no 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 but he's she's a human being protected yeah she's Mm. being protected by a family of vampires in the game is what makes it exciting that's Mm. what edward said he said he just read my mind and now he knows that this is the best game he's ever gonna have that's he says it Come in the movie, Roshan. Pay attention, uh, Roshan. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is, and we'll get to it as we're going through, these films are fucking grasping at straws to make conflict <laughs> happen sometimes. Oh, and it's like, there's, yeah. there's conflict, out, enough conflict between this little love triangle regardless, but the way that they just try and also trickle in and sandwich in some extra conflict big issue i have later on but we'll get to <laughs> oh no yeah that we can let that lead us into new moon because talk about unintended like unnecessary conflict that's all the entire plot of new moon is based on something that happens that edward just needed to have a conversation with bella about and decided not to um but new moon came out in 2009 it was directed by chris whites and my subtitle for New Moon is My Best Friend's a Werewolf. But this movie picks up... Uh, there's been a little bit of time that has passed between Twilight and New Moon. Leading into New Moon, I do think it's a little worrisome that Twilight ends with Bella almost having a panic attack because Edward says, hey, maybe we shouldn't be together. And she actually freaks the fuck out and is like, you can't ever leave me. <laughs> and it's worrying. <laughs> but yeah, that's the red what... flags are already abundant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're popping off. I mean, just straight up. Now, Edward wouldn't have left her anyway. I always hate, though, that he says, like, where else am I going to go? Because I'm like, that's not romantic. <laughs> um, I really don't have anywhere else to be. So I'm here by default. <laughs> You should have said there's nowhere else I'd rather be. (laughs) I guess we could move back to Alaska, but like I'm kind of over Alaska. He's like, girl, I can't die. (laughs) I I don't. I guess I'll stay. It always pissed me. I was like, they should have written that more romantically. But that leads us into New Moon where they're still connected. Yeah. And I was making this joke to Chelsea as we were watching, but... I do commend Bella for just knowing at 17 that this absolutely 1000% is the person that I have to spend the rest of my life with. Like, I wish I had that kind of clarity in my teen years. Oh, that's another thing (laughs) that I feel like they don't always like they allude to in the movies. But in the books, like they are the most 
gorgeous. They're like, they're so beautiful and so captivating and so charming. They're like unlike anything you've ever seen before and anyone would be so lucky to be with them is like how they're very described in the books. They are also described that way in the movies. However, they're so pale and sickly the looking really in the movies. Goes so hard on the pale. And then they kind of wean off of it yeah. in the later movies. Like, especially in Breaking yeah. Dawn Part 2. I was like, everyone has a very normal skin color right now. Yes, that's the but best they the look. But in the first one, they're so pale. The ones that are blonde, they made so blonde. And then the blue filter, like, mm-hmm. it is actually good for being like, something is wrong here. Right. So that is a great element of it, but the ethereal beauty of that kind of gets, gets lost. lost. They a look ghastly, bit. yes. Because to be clear, they you imagine them just a normal pale in the book and in the movies because they're trying to add that onto the characters. They don't. They look ashen, and you can just see that there is this coat of white on top of them so it's not a natural pale two things really quickly one just because i forgot to mention it um we do get our first taste of carlisle and twilight and didn't think i was gonna like that character but he really did grow on me over time mm-hmm. um but two i actually so in new moon we tone back the blue filter almost completely yeah. right like it's like it's kind of a warm brown filter now almost yeah it's like swap filters and well, it was the for the best movie. yeah it was for the best we should have changed it absolutely but i did find myself missing it a little bit and okay. i think it's just because my scope of twilight had just been the little bits and pieces of the first movie that i've seen so twilight for me has always been blue it's always just been a dark blue sort of eerie vibe. And seeing all of this color was actually a little bit of like a, a culture shock. I was like, I did not expect to see so many palettes in, yeah. in this love story. Yeah, yeah, I kept saying like, she's so beautiful and pink in this movie. Like, <laughs> everyone was life. so pale the first one. Yeah, she looks like there's actual life beating within her in this one. Because, yeah, everyone looks quite sick. In the first one, which and they, everything's just so wa- they like it's it fits the tone very well, but it washes everybody yeah. else. I mean, even Laurent in the first one looks like oh he needs to bathe gosh. in cocoa butter. And I get it, he's a vampire, like he's supposed to look pale, but golly, they've made him look <laughs> absurd. Is, I, I, I was saying to Chelsea that Laurent was so much more intimidating before he spoke. Like, I don't know what it was about his voice, but it was not the sounds I expected to come out of this hulking black vampire. <laughs> He's kind of a chill dude. Like, outside of, like, the yeah. one attempt to kill Bella, he was actually kind of cool. Yeah. He's meant to come off as very intimidating, but then he really is kind of like, I didn't, I li- I just want to play, ba- like, baseball. I didn't, I really didn't want to do this yeah. until he comes back ready to kill Bella in the second but one. But even then, he's like, I'm going to be nice about it. Like, it's not that I want to kill you. It's just that I'm a vampire in your food. And you were someone's special little pet before. But they're not here now. So, like, I'm kind of hungry. And I'm sorry about that. But um, really nice to know you while well, I did. Yeah, he was polite about the attempted murder. I give him, I give him that. And she smells like the most appetizing food in the world. It's like, I want a bite. I would love a bite yeah. of that. Edward I get was right. That. She smells delicious. How yeah. could anyone resist? Bon appetit. I understand where he was coming from, but um, 
yeah, everybody looks better in New Moon, <laughs> thankfully. New Moon is the Jacob and Bella story. Edward is not in very much of, of New Moon. He's there in the beginning and he's there at the end. And this is where we really get Jacob's whole transformation and we learn more about what's going on on the reservation with the werewolves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like Jacob for half of this movie. And then there's a turning point where I don't like Jacob again until Breaking Dawn Part 2. So I'm in this essay. I would like to highlight why I think Jacob is a terrible character. Um, and when he made me roll my eyes so far into the back of my head, I saw my brainstem. I, I, it's just Please very... Proceed. Okay. Starting in this one, when Jacob's still himself, I like him a lot. And then he becomes a werewolf. And first of all, I think Taylor Lautner, once again, does a very good job with this role. But some of the things that they wrote for him just do not translate. The first time is when he tries to fight Mike in the movie theater. Um, I cannot take him seriously as being intimidating i once again i think he gets better as the movies go along but it's real touch and go in new moon my biggest issue with with jacob once he becomes a werewolf is he has no respect for boundaries or anything that bella wants and i understand that yes she is in love with him but she doesn't want to be with you and that's very unfortunate. I'm so sorry yeah. to say that. But he's got can that you alpha energy on him now. <laughs> I mean, and then when <laughs> I can't. it's just it's it's once he becomes full werewolf and he's going through like his hormonal changes and he has no concept of of like he can't control his anger as much. There's just something so off putting about the way that he is consistently pushing himself onto her and being so like sexual in the way that everything he does it's like everything he does has this undertone of like sexuality and that every time he talks to her there's like some little romantic underlying to everything he says and yuck it, it's yeah. just everything it's not everything about the way that he's written in the books and, because i will also say newman was the hardest book for me to get through because it was all jacob and i was in the trenches <laughs> trying to get to the chapters where edward came back like i was speed reading trying to hurry up and get back to edward because jacob was just so i just could not like buy him as a viable romance and i think that's the thing with this triangle is jacob doesn't ever feel like a true contender no yeah he never he never is and like that was unfortunate for me going into it because again with no perspective here i've just heard very little things about twilight and team team edward and team jacob was something that's been cemented in my brain so i was expecting yeah. way more of a battle on that front Mm -hmm. But I just don't feel like you're right. I don't think there ever really was because like very early on, it is set in stone that Edward is the pick. Um, also, please ignore the dramatic rain in my background if it's so it lit. It fits the uh, mood. <laughs> it's the new moon. But 
I think one of the things that was kind of a bummer about Jacob, because I, I'll be honest, I went into these movies trying to be Team Jacob. I wanted to be against the grain. I feel like there were a lot more Team Edward people. So I was like, all right, let me see what Jacob's about. Let me see what he's got that he's bringing to the table. And I think you're right. At the beginning, he is like very likable, especially mm-hmm. the little bits we get in the first Twilight. He's he seems like a cool kid. He's this, fun. He's he's fun. He's fun. The age difference. I mean, age is very strange in this entire franchise, so I won't <laughs> harp too much on that. But that that was one of the parts I was like, eh, a little a little weird on that. But I think the big disservice that happens to him in the second film is we're trying to set up this love triangle. But Edward is a whole movie ahead, and we're simultaneously establishing all the plot points for Jacob while Jacob is going through his transition period where he's kind of an asshole. So we don't get that movie buffer, like a full movie buffer Mm -hmm. of Jacob being a potential love interest, because we get a couple scenes in New Moon, and then he's just a pushy asshole for the rest of it. So like you start to like him and you start to warm up to him. And then he starts doing some foul shit. And like, I feel like very quickly I start to dismiss him as an interest, even though I kind of went into the movie rooting for him to like, at least, you know, swing a little bit in this fight. Like yeah. mm-hmm. fight for your girl. I think the team Edward team Jacob discourse was so complicated because in many ways it wasn't, who do you want Bella to be with? It was, who do you like? Who do you as the viewer like and want to be Mm -hmm. with and want to um, project your romantic interest onto? And so Mm. that was a lot of it. But also to defend Jacob a little bit. um, And like, I did have like a team Jacob for a while. The the kiss and eclipse is where I really went, "Mm, I'm out. Um, (laughs) But, and it's worse in the books. It's worse in the books. Um, But in Mm -hmm. the book for new moon the the way they do the montage in this movie when it's like this spin around in the room um first of all gorgeous beautiful um second of all seeing that on the page in middle school where it's like october blank page november blank page yeah. december blank page i was moved I was fundamentally yeah. changed reading that um <laughs> and we were we were chatting about it a little bit on saturday mm-hmm. It, but it was like, had you ever seen a depressive episode depicted in your media before? Like, that was formative in many ways to me in middle school to be like, yeah, yeah, I that's crazy. You could just lose time like that. And then, like, Jacob comes in and she's like, he is the son for it. He, like, brings her back to life mm-hmm. in so many ways. He is her reason for continuing to live and being, like, dialed into her life. It's just that... It's complicated because he feels differently about her than she feels about him. And, like, is he the one that is bringing a bad vibe to this where he's like, I'm going to keep trying romantically? Does she have any responsibility in the fact that she literally says, I do keep offering you crumbs because I'm worried if I don't give you crumbs, you're not going to stick around anymore? So, like... Who's bringing that insecurity into the dynamic is is questionable because one of Bella's big personality traits is insecure. Um, yeah. Oh, Bella's being yeah. She's she's acting she, like Jacob has. She a has that moment where she puts her hand in his hair at one point in this movie. It's very slutty. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You're 
kind of beautiful. And also when she, like she, when they're in the movie Caresses theater. Caresses his abs. Yeah. That part. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not that part. But that's the thing. Bella is very touchy. She is very touchy. Yeah. Cause when he like comes into her bedroom, she like leans her forehead on his forehead and yeah, like touches his body. And she's like, <laughs> Edward never touches like that. He's a prude. Where have you been, Jacob? There, there's also, also the bit um, <laughs> I forgot with liking Jacob. Um, part of that was because I think one scene earlier, um, Edward threw Bella into a wall and then blamed her for bleeding around his family. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> now hold on. You have to put some context. <laughs> you have to put some context into that. You can't just say that. He didn't just I throw mean, her into a wall. Did, all of these things did in yes, fact happen. But you're literally, you're seeing one half of the room. On the other <laughs> half of the room is Jasper, who has lost his mind. To, he really didn't need to throw. I don't know why he threw her. Like, they Me had a hold on him. It was funny, but I don't know it's why hilarious. he chucked her across the room. It's, he has it to is hilarious. human restraint at all times to simply interact with her as a human person. And then you expect him to be in this big emotionally charged moment where his brother is trying to kill the love of his life and not overreact a little. It's not Ladies, fair, Roshane. It's an unfair defending, standard to say. Are we, are, sorry, are we defending throwing the human that. woman into I the wall? What did I do? <laughs> what did I just say? It was a misstep. He shouldn't have done that. He didn't have to do that. But Jasper is stronger than all of them. He's he a new vampire. Bella away. The fastest way to do that is to throw her into the wall. <laughs> he was just trying to push her to back. One inch punch her he tried to get her the into the other room. It's not his fault. There's a wall between them. He just tried to push her back, but we know that he always has to watch his strength. He wasn't watching his strength, so she flies. She falls into a vase. <laughs> Or she shatters glass, <laughs> and instead like the of the table, paper cut, yeah. yeah, instead of now just having a paper cut, her entire arm is slashed from top to bottom. And when all the vampires turn to look at her, and the music is like, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like the strings, it's kind of great. It's cool. It's cool, right? It's like, oh, shit. The whole family's after me. Nah, the vampire gaslighting was strong in that sequence. I'm sorry. The vampire gaslighting in that whole movie is crazy because yeah. Edward leaves her in the forest, which, by the way, what a terrible place to leave someone who is notoriously accident prone. True. The, yeah, leaving her at all is like, you know that she's going to die. Like she it's, it's a wonder. It's a wonder that she's still alive, that she survived the 17 years on her own. That's a wonder because she is consistently acting as if she is a fawn, newly born, trying to discover what legs are. They and tell so you the in the fact... first movie, she fell through, she fell down the stairs through a window and she's in the hospital now. And everyone is like, we're not surprised to hear this. Like, that's the kind of life that she's been living even before the vampires come in. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, yeah, just leave her alone. And but hope the for the best. It's crazy here because, yeah. okay, it's like he leaves her and he's like, it'll be as if my family and I were never here. He's trying to be like, return to your human existence and live 80 more years without me. Because remember, as I kept saying to you, Roshane, to turn 18 is to die. Um, of course. And so 
you know, he's like, it'll be as if we never existed. What they don't show you is that in the book, he literally went and like deleted all of their emails from her email and like took all of the photos they'd ever tried to steal literally every piece of evidence that they had ever existed outside of being able to change people's memories. Um, And there's like one thing that she has like buried in a floorboard. Like he's literally trying to gaslight her that they never even existed basically and if you'll recall she had a major trauma in the first movie she was attacked she went to sacrifice her life for her mother's and now she doesn't have anybody who knows that this even happened to her that she can talk to yeah bella's going through it in this one she and as a result she abandons all of her human friends and then pops back up like nothing happened She's like, I would die without you. You can't just leave. You can't say stuff like that. Like, yeah. Because you're literally my only friend. You're the only person I can talk to about the real experience of my life. I mean, I will say I the her friends, her friends are honestly I well, okay, no, I'm not going to say that because they're not great. They're not bad friends, but they're not good friends. They're just friends. Like, they're yeah. her human High friends. High school friends, yeah. High school non-vampire friends. She's not really investing in those relationships. Neither are they. She's missing for half the year, ignores them, and then just comes and sits at their table. And is like, hey, hey how y'all doing? I'm like, <laughs> girl. And, but, yeah, I the whole, the whole movie is her pining after Edward. She has to do, like, thrilling things to try, like, to see him again. This is when we get the sprinkles that Victoria is still after her. And then we get to meet the Volturi, which I like when Alice gives them the vision that like Bella is going to become a vampire. And we flash forward. Bella and Edward are in cottage core blouses and like these flowing, a flowing dress. And it's so strange seeing her that vision that they had of her as a vampire in new moon is so different from <laughs> what we actually get of her which thank god for every single flashback we got just to see the attire every single time was always a surprise <laughs> you never knew what they're gonna be wearing oh but dakota um dakota fanning eats jane up i think she is so good as jane yeah, she I does very a great job. Her as Jane. And the way that mm. they like bring so many of those things to the movie, I think they do it in a fun way. Like, okay, the mm-hmm. the blank page to spin around montage, I think, is a great adaptation. They do a lot of great montages in this movie. The dream sequence in the beginning where she sees the old woman in the meadow and she's <laughs> like, Is that my grandma? No, it's herself. It's um girl. but with Jane, where they do the pain. And her eyes mm-hmm. just like sparkle for a second. And then everyone's like, ah! like I I think that's a great way to show exactly what's happening. She says the word pain. I think it's gorgeous. It's great. The one thing that I'm gonna have to bring up because I've already alluded to it is again, these big conflicts though, right? There's a lot of yeah. conflict happening right now. We've had a breakup, we had a new contender in this relationship, potentially, who's also going through some things. I feel like there's enough in this film. But of course, we have to have the petty phone call where Jacob decides to tell Edward, yeah, now she's dead, and causes all of the back half of the film to happen. He he said Charlie's planning for a funeral. And he was. That was true. (laughs) But he knew what he was doing. Yeah, Jacob, that's that's what I'm saying. Jacob knows what he's doing. He literally was like, yeah, fuck you. He didn't realize they were both going to be so dramatic about it. And He should have known by now. He should have known. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, probably should have. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 uh, New Moon is honestly not bad. I agree. I just I really like Jacob before he is a werewolf, and then once he becomes a werewolf, he can kind of kick rocks for me personally. Yeah. yeah. So the second half of this movie is a slog for me to get through. I do think that the point where we are with the Volturi and Edward's attempt are shot really well especially with like all the the celebration and all the red and her running through like all that is great we have some really cool moments within this film I think it's shot really cool it's just for me personally this plot line is my least favorite out of the entire uh well it's not the worst but it's my least favorite out of the the twilight the Twilight series. But sure. an important note is the fact that Edward proposes at the end of this film. Oh, yeah. That's and huge. it ends with a gasp. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. He proposes and Bella goes, <gasps> and then the movie ends. You, <laughs> you have to imagine Roshan being in the theaters for I, this. I truly. And having to wait. Look, my condolences to everybody who was growing up and watching these in real time at the theaters. Y'all were stressing some shit. And <laughs> no. I. And I absolutely feel you, especially the the Breaking Dawn one to two split. Mm-hmm. Y'all must have been going feral. I'm sorry. It was it was a crazy because yeah, you had to wait a year because that's another thing. Each of these came out a year apart. So Eclipse came out in 2010, and this one was directed by David Slade. And this is Eclipse, aka my future brother-in-law was a Confederate soldier. <laughs> We, nev- we, we never title. get resolution <laughs> to that plot line, do we? It's just it's just there, and then it just exists, huh? It's just okay. <laughs> it's it fine. in his evil phase, so he's not like that anymore, so we don't need to talk about it. Um, it's just, he's moved it's on so, so wild. <laughs> it's so wild. And I mean, going into this portion, obviously a lot of this I'm in the dark for, but between both of you, I've like mentioned little bits and pieces that I did know. I did know this part, Erica, because I think this is one that we've had a conversation about in the past. And I was yeah. just waiting for this reveal. I'm like, it's got to be in one of these. Like, we're getting pretty deep in here. But I forgot which character you said was the Confederate soldier. Fought for so, the Confederacy? Mm-hmm. So when uh, when it was revealed, I was like, oh, is you? Maybe it's because you haven't spoken for three movies. That's why in. Notice, also, he has but... an accent too. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. He has a southern drawl, which Jackson Rathbone, who plays Jasper, is from Texas. So I do think that he probably just has a natural like southern twang, but he hides it in the first movie. If you listen to him, he's doing like a much more general kind of like speech. Oh, and then as the movies, the other characters, yeah, when so. he's playing it up, <laughs> <laughs> when he's not comfortable yet. <laughs> And then as the movies progress, it's like his accent gets thicker and thicker. And it's in this story where he is talking about being a Confederate soldier where all of a sudden he's like, well, I say, I say. And like, it's, so, it's like so out of pocket and it feels so out of place because, yeah, it, it, compared to what he was in the other movies, it's it's he's a new person all of a sudden who we never get confirmation that he's moved on <laughs> from. Look. The thing is, the the thing is, is ridiculousness aside, I'm glad they gave him something like, you know what? He had something to work off of. And I feel like that character definitely had more life to him once they were given like a character trait to go off of. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? You were in the Mm -hmm. Confederacy. 
he knew already what to do. He had, yeah. he had his whole character <laughs> outline, his, his plot points, all that shit was on lock. So you know what? Mm-hmm. Weird, weird take, weird direction, but I didn't mind it because you know what? It made that character interesting for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he has a lot more backstory than someone like Emmett, for example, whose entire backstory, even including as far as I know from the books, is just like, I got attacked by a bear, like as a big yeah. dude, and I got attacked by a bear, and then Rosalie came and along. Then Rosalie and then Rosalie found me yes, and saved my life. And she made me a vampire or brought me to Carlisle to make me a vampire, and like, no, I'm in a cool vampire family, and like, it rocks. Mm-hmm. Um Jasper had like a lot going on previously and he has a gift and his gift is his empathy slash mood control um, for the <laughs> right. people around him. But so like he was in the Confederate army. He was in the vampire army. He had to execute all of the newborns after one year. And uh, by the way, he felt all of their emotions while he was doing that. So he like felt, yeah, yeah. he felt he, bad about he'd it. He'd been through a lot by the time he met Alice, and then he met Alice, and it was like, oh, I met my soulmate. Actually, now I can chill. Because before sure. I thought it was this other girl. Because the lesson in Eclipse is that women who use their sexuality are evil monsters. Well, that's actually something I'd like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because so Stephanie Meyer, who does not have a cameo on this one, but has one in both Twilight and Breaking Dawn, um, she is Mormon uh-huh. and she, although she says that she does not let her beliefs trickle into her writing, she does also say that that being said, because it's what she knows, it probably does come through like and influence the themes that she writes about. And so she with with her without meaning to it, writes a lot about um like abstinence and how there's more power in like not being sexually active and this idea of like a more conservative, traditional romance. Yeah, it's like breathing into each other's mouths is a little bit more romantic. <laughs> And a little bit more tense than if the tongue slips in, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that. what, <laughs> yeah, I thought that myself. Um, but it like bleeds into things is this idea of like a more traditional conservative ideal of how a relationship should be, which kind of paints Bella in this sort of a predatory way when she's consistently trying to seduce Edward, who is says, we were I would court you and we would get married and then we'll have sex adorable plot line by the way did not know (laughs) that Edward's character was gonna go in that direction (laughs) but I kind of loved it well I mean he was based he was born in like 1901 because she makes this comments of like uh these you're like these ideals you have are ancient like they're not modern and I'm like literally he's from the early 1900s in if you guys were together in his time, if you would have flashed him a bare ankle, he would have busted him out immediately. <laughs> like, of course, of course, he can't just take rip your clothes off because he still has this I the ideals of an early 1900s gentleman. And let's be honest, it's, it's written in there very well, honestly. Like, it's, th- it makes sense. He was a romantic, probably even as a human, and then he was um frozen developmentally at the age of 17 like has he lived another 100 years since then and he's like learning changing growing intellectually but from an emotional maturity standpoint 
we can get into that later when we talk about the immortal children, but they say like they're frozen. They can't mature mm-hmm. past that point. He can't emotionally mature past being a 17-year-old who dreamed about finding the love of his life one day. Like that's just who he is. Right. He can't change that. It's what he it's what he wants. But honestly, it does make sense. It, the way that Edward approaches their romance makes a lot of sense because of where like what he knows and the ideals that he has so it's like it's written well and it makes sense for his character development as the same way that Bella's makes sense because she is more modern and doesn't hold the same regards for marriage and virginity but it does bleed through in the way that Stephanie writes it as at times as like oh Edward isn't Edward so good and so sweet and so nice? And then here's Bella trying to break out of her blouse. <laughs> and it just feels a little bit like, the okay. make out in the first movie where he shoots across the room. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. <laughs> oh, another mwah, perfect scene. Uh, there are just some scenes that live rent-free in my brain. And him yeah. cock-blocking himself into a wall is one of them. That is a yeah, permanent staple in my brain. Of- a fun thing about that that I learned from the commentary is they actually had to cut that down because, like, Kristen Story is wearing, like, booty shorts in it, and they had to make sure that they didn't show too much of, like, her butt because then it would be too, like, sexual. No. It's, so they like, had to, crazy sexy like, for what it is, though, too. Yeah, even the sex scenes. For being a PG-13 movie, it's they're they're pretty hot. kind of erotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, ooh. I, don't re- I didn't remember them being as steamy as they were. But this whole movie uh, hinges on our werewolves and our vampires coming together to face Victoria, who is now played by Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> uh, yeah, brand new Victoria. A switch. Yeah, had a little switch. I will say I really like the original Victoria, but yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard does what needs to be done. Um, Jacob. This is, I texted, I texted Chelsea. I was like, I literally am clenching my fists every time Jacob is on screen. I wrote the Jacob lighting is very strong in Eclipse. And I kind of stand by that where he, Eclipse is where Jacob fully lost me. And it's just because he's so fucking pushy with his own personal narrative. And I cut him some slack of like, look, there are definitely some moments in this friendship, situationship, whatever y'all are having, where Bella is giving you some signals in a certain direction. I hear you, bro. But the no has been planted. It's been cemented. You know it's not you. But you just don't give a fuck. And, like, yeah. it's it's so grating after a while where it's like, Jacob, just, just take the hit, bro. Just yeah. let it go. It's tough because they get to that point where he's like, I just want you to admit it. Admit that I'm not making this all up in my head. Admit that there's something here that's mutual. They get to the point where she finally does and she's like, but now what? Like nothing changes, Mm -hmm. which is why I didn't want to because like things stay the same. I do love you. I do find you very sexy and I want to touch your bare chest and I like to (laughs) sit next to you every night. But like that aside, I'd like Edward to be over here and he's the one I would prefer to kiss. And if it's really one or the other and it is for me, um, it's going to be him. So like what now that we've admitted it? What what did you think this would accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. And also by this point too, Now, I do feel like there is some sides being played in the writing, too, because at this point, I'm actually 
all cool with the Cullen family. Like, I mm. didn't know that I was going to get to know and like all the people in that family. But they're written in such a way where it's like, they, they're likable. And, like, I was outside of the Confederacy stuff. Like, I was kind of rooting for them the whole time and thought at some point that would change due to some, like, weird plot point. But it doesn't really. Mm. Like, they just consistently are a kind of healthy found family, um, which is kind of dope. Where on the flip side the reservation stuff is just constant conflict and infighting yeah which yeah. i'm like all right a little biased there personally but in that way it really i feel like as a viewer made me lean towards this whole team edward and like bella becoming a part of the cullen situation because like at least we've established like she's got a network of people that care and like i don't know it just seemed like a much healthier healthier direction to go with edward Mm -hmm. I don't think they ever really wanted you to think that there was another choice than Edward is the reality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I also think um, Stephanie Meyer, for all that there's a lot to love about the Twilight series, she's got a lot of her own biases that she's bringing to the table here. And like the movies honestly are a thousand times more uh, diverse and racially forward thinking than yeah. the books are. So there already, like, is a lot of material that they're trying to make less weird. Um, and then it's still not that not weird in the movies. Yeah. Um, and picking a real indigenous tribe um, is another misstep, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to be like, oh, and I've made up lore for them. Um, these are their legends. And it's like, are those their legends? But, mm. yeah, the, the element of that is really rough in the books and in the movie too because it's like they're dogs and they stink and they smell bad and they're violent and they can't control their anger <laughs> and it's like those things were true in slightly different ways about the cones they couldn't control themselves he bella got thrown into a wall because jasper could not control himself yeah, um, yeah. no but but that's okay but then it's like what happens with um sam how he like loses his anger and one time and, and now she has to pay those. for it it's like oh but they just so bella back up and we never talk about that shit ever again yeah it's like the, the cullens get a free pass on like kind of everything that they do which yeah. I, I i'm cool with it's fine but it's like there is a bit of a discrepancy there yeah. in terms of like looking at the two major groups of this um but again I'm probably going to do it for every movie. Talking about conflict here, our conflict now is newborn vampire army over the guy that just couldn't give up the one chase. Like, we're still dealing with the with the fallout of it the original film. It all goes back film. to James. Yeah, he's the real but don't you main love character, that actually. Line? <laughs> yeah. Don't you love how it all ties back together? You think Victoria like, is not an issue this anymore. This plot point. There's no way it can still be going. There's just no way. <laughs> Victoria's been lurking in the background. And you know what's crazy? The fact that it's even still going and like breaking down too, because then we have to <laughs> tie in all these elements from the past. Like it's it, yeah, that's that's consistently the conflict. And the fact of the matter is it all always boils back down to Bella. One of these days, <laughs> I would like a conflict that Bella just gets wrapped up into because she is con like because she wants to help Edward and because like she cares about the Cullens or because she cares about the pack. It would have been nice to have a conflict like that. But the fact of the matter is Bella is that bitch. And apparently and so everything just is. boils back down to her and everyone has to fight 
and lose their lives and get their necks cracked because Bella is here <laughs> and yep. she can't choose. That's the thing about <laughs> it. That's what would piss me off. Honestly, I understand where Rosalie and where uh, Leah are coming from. Because why am I over here putting my life on the line for her? For her? It's, it's really <laughs> true. Serious. It's like, there are full out wars happening because these two can't get their relationship stuff sorted. Um, also, the tent scene was amazing i love the tent scene it's so catty it's so petty but also like it's the first time we see edward and jacob bond at all mm -hmm. um which i'm like oh okay maybe there's some hope for you too yeah. uh, but that is also the sequence where i really warmed up to edward because i i think going into this this had a perception of him where it's like there's always going to be something that was like nefarious, I guess, about Edward, just because of the nature of him being a vampire. But I feel like his emotional maturity, every movie seems to just get better. Where yeah. I'm like, I'm expecting us to take a back step, but I feel like for the most part, not everything that he's doing, of course, is completely cool and not toxic, but like the morals that he stands by and like the way that he approaches some of the conflict in the later movies is way better, where he's like, Jacob, I get that you're in love with the woman that I'm going to marry, but, like, bro, we got to figure this out somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like Edward is much more I'm down to have this conversation than Jacob is until oh, yeah. deep breaking dawn. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing... I'm going to actually disagree with Erica on something for a second. Not that Bella isn't How that dare. bitch, but <laughs> it's not that Bella is the source of all of this conflict as much as... Edward's complete inability to be normal about Bella is the source of conflict. Like, that's why it's a game for James in one, because Edward is pathologically unable to be normal around her. And, like, that's why there's conflict in New Moon, because it would have been over if he didn't go to the Volturi and say, um, I need to kill myself, but I need your help. That that was the main conflict of that movie. And if he just was like, um. Oh, Bella died. That's sad. And I'm going to grieve like a normal undead person would. Like, you know, we would erase that conflict. And this one. But Bella jumped off a cliff. <laughs> she is also <laughs> not being normal, but like that wouldn't have affected the overall plot if they, Edward they wasn't both. like, and I need Alice to keep tabs on her regularly and I would like her to report back and I want to hear how her life is going and I want to hear what's going on with her and I want to hear what she's doing. And did she kill herself? Um, I'm calling right now. Oh, she's dead? Okay, I need to be dead ASAP. And if they say no, I'm going to force their hand. Um, it's He's the problem, I think, is really what's going. She's they're, special, no, but he's both, the problem. They're both the problem. <laughs> their relationship they, is the problem. Their, rela their relationship truly is the problem. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, all that aside, like, I feel like Eclipse, for me, was a step backwards in terms of, like, my enjoyment. Because mm -hmm. I kind of felt this way about just the franchise in general. I feel like the first Twilight... Reservations aside, it's still a very fun movie. And I feel like as we try, mm -hmm. it's funny and like there's enjoyable bits to it. But like, I feel like the deeper we go in and like the deeper some of these plot lines gets, the less fun I start having. And I feel like Eclipse for me had a lot of the fun sucked out of it that I think was yeah. in Twilight. But by this point in the franchise, 
I'm a little bit more invested in the characters too. Mm -hmm. So it's like this weird balance of like, I give less of a shit about what's actually happening in the story, but I do care about these characters. And it's like almost kind of like the office or something like that in that way, where you just get connected to these people and you're like, I don't really know if these next couple of movies or episodes are going to be good, but like, I do want to see where your character goes. Mm -hmm. That's where I felt at, by the end of eclipse. I'm like this, all of this is so silly. This is yeah. all so silly and wacky, but I also kind of want to see where this goes. What happens next? No, yeah, because I mean, we this is our biggest, grandest scale of like action and kind of things happening within this movie. Uh, as far as like, we haven't had a battle this big, and then it leading into the idea that we know we Bella has to become a vampire, like all the stuff that we're leading up to. You do kind of want to see how it plays out at this point, and. Yeah, it's like, I will say, I think Edward gives very, like, a lot of grace to Bella with her trying to decide the fact and, like, her kissing Jacob just so that Jacob doesn't run off into the fight. And, like, that's another thing how Jacob's like, I guess I'll go kill myself. Like, I <laughs> fucking hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate this man. Oh, my God. That part gets me every time. literally taking a page out of the Edward playbook. Nah, that's, I'm with Chelsea on that one. I'm on. I'm with Chelsea on that. I saw what manipulated Bella last time, and I took notes. And now I'm ready he to try. He broke her. She breaks her hand trying to punch him in the face, which also doesn't make sense because in the second one, she successfully punches a werewolf, and, like, it doesn't hurt her. But she breaks his hand trying to punch his face after he forces himself upon her and then he's like i'm gonna go kill myself so then bella has to kiss him so that he doesn't and then he's like that's how our first kiss should have been i should have said i was gonna go run off into battle so that you would kiss me and then he's like oh you're still picking edward it's like jacob yeah dude <laughs> be serious like please yeah. i i but also bella i don't know girl make up your mind because yeah. And she's like, oh, you saw that? I'm like, you were just around the corner, like, making out with Jacob. He didn't see it, but he knew what he was going on. Can he can read minds. of spits <laughs> being swapped. Yeah. Like, he is a vampire. He has great heightened senses. Even if he can't hear your thoughts, he can hear Jacob's thoughts. He hears the slide of tongues together. Um, yeah. He hears Jacob I moaning just... in his mind. <laughs> Obviously. He does have line when they're in the tent where he's like mm, careful with your thoughts okay because i'm right here um yeah but yeah mm -hmm. the tent scene i think is the real team edward sell because again he's learned more how to be normal i did have one of my notes for the first movie um is about how like edward's experience is as if you were just like being edged forever, like you never get to come. That's what it is to be around Bella with her smell, his own personal brand of heroin. Right. Um, he's becoming acclimated so he can be normal now by Eclipse. And also he's learned like, I want her to have a good life. And um, the idea of her not being in this world is horrible to me. So if she can have a good life and she's living, even if it's with Jacob, that's fine. And I am yeah. glad about that. Because yeah. then she can grow old and be with her dad and be with her mom and be with her human friends and maintain her soul because he thinks his soul is damned to hell and he doesn't right. have one. Like, he wants all of those things from her and he's willing to accept that it might be with Jacob but he tried to make her pick already and he knows she's picking him. He That's what he says. I tried to force the issue already 
It really didn't work out. I don't know if you guys saw New Moon, but yeah. um, he's it, like, I'm not going to do, can't it, do it that way anymore. Yeah. And Jacob is like uh, the op- like he's always smirking at a word and like being like, hey, beautiful. And then Jacob is like, I would rather see you dead. <laughs> yes. Than oh my be God. a vampire. Like Jacob is like, if you're not going to be with me, you can choke. And that's where <laughs> I have the issue because it's like Edward's like, if if she wants to pick you, it's like I, that would suck. But uh, like whatever and jacob was like if she were to pick you i would kill her i would kill you i would bring her back to life so that we could just be together it's like (laughs) relax 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 but again he's like did you see these abs you know how hard i worked for these he's like as if she would pick you and then she (laughs) does exactly that so that's embarrassing for him but also my last note on this one is i do think that rosalie's section um, like finally getting to hear her backstory is like one of my favorite parts of these movies because I feel I like that they paint Rose, Rosalie in a specific way. And then you find out that she's just jealous because Bella's alive. Like she she's just mad because Bella is like giving up a life that Rosalie wishes that she could have. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. a nice idea because it seems like everybody else in the family is like, we're vampires. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. And then Rosalie is like, I literally would have chosen anything for myself but being a vampire. Like, I love Emmett yeah. and I love my family, but like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and Rosalie I like that. And Edward have notorious beef, but also share that perspective on what they yeah. are and what their life is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, just speaking again to the imbalance, though, we don't learn any of that shit about the reservation, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, we don't. They said, yeah, the reservation is it is what it is. Like, it, she said, just goes there sometimes. It was a horror movie. <laughs> I felt like I was being stalked by a cult. There is a horror in the fact that the Cullens existing in the same geographical location means that I have no control over my own body and biology. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> But we're moving on. It's cool because, like, we're reading each other's minds now. So that's <laughs> At the end, we do get um, some sort of Jacob coming to moment after he is mortally injured, where he then asks, like, for one final time, he's like, hey, for real, for real, it's not me. And she's like, dude, even on your deathbed, I'm yeah. telling you that it's Edward. And yeah. I think at that point, at least for me, it at least somewhat clicked for him where he's still going to attempt to try and make him the pick, but he also knows, all right, it's not going to be me. And we start going down the path of, like, learning how to deal with this via Jacob, which some of is great, and some of leads to the absolute weirdest plot line I have ever seen in a movie ever. (laughs) These were the ones I was the most excited for you to watch, so let's get into it. We actually could probably kind of combine the two because, like I said, they're connected. They're just split up into two parts, but it's one story within the two. Um, We have Breaking Dawn Part 1, which came out in 2011, and Breaking Dawn Part 2, which came out in 2012. These were both directed by Bill Condon. And for Breaking Dawn, I have The Baby That Broke Bella's Back. And for (laughs) part two, I have Bloodsuckers Assemble. So we start off almost, well, Eclipse started off basically immediately after New Moon. And then this is a few months later, they're planning their wedding. Another thing I would love to say is I think Billy Burke as Charlie is so good in these movies. I just feel like he he does such a good job of being like that gruff, 
kind of I don't know how to handle having a daughter dad but who also like very clearly loves Bella and is like so Mm -hmm. worried about everything that's going on but also has no idea what's going on um and I feel like particularly in these last two it's like there's something kind of heartbreaking about the way that he is kept out of the loop on so many things and just has to accept that that's the way it's going to be if he wants to have Bella in his life I'm which how long can they sustain that I think they I, I think it makes sense for them to be like, look, don't ask any questions. Just don't talk about what you just see. don't. <laughs> it is what it is. And I hope that's OK. And he says, OK, yep. <laughs> like, there's something after cool Jacob about that. turns into a into a wolf in front of him. I think yeah. he yeah. was game. He's like, you know what? You are right. Yeah. He has been through a lot with Bella already yes, up until yes. this point. Like we when we were watching the first one and she is running away to Arizona to escape James and the hunt. And she says the same thing to him that her mother said when she left, which is like, I can't be stuck here with you. Like in this tiny town, like saying the same thing to him, reigniting that trauma. He hasn't had his daughter with him for the past 16 years. Um, And then she goes into a depressive episode immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she runs away to Italy and then there's this whole, you know, like he has been he's been put through the ringer and like book Charlie sucks and is the worst. But movie Charlie is very it's, charismatic and charming. Ew, he's so good. And the fact that every time she comes home, she has a different injury. It's like he, she comes home. She fell through a window. She's broken to bits. The next time she comes home, she has a bite on her arm. She has her arm is gashed. She punches Jacob in the face. Her hand is broken. It's like, girl, uh, the hospital bills alone <laughs> have to be insane. have me yeah i'm like thank he, god carlisle's right there you know i mean like god he just touches it all up herself yeah. their, their insurance premiums would go through the roof otherwise oh, yeah. thank god carlisle's a doctor because like, he would be in debt but i just every time that she comes home just something is wrong i just can't even imagine but we start off okay here's the thing as someone who like Something about watching their wedding. This is these are three moments that made me kind of get the feels. Something about mm-hmm. watching their wedding and having that like sleeping at last play and made me like all warm and fuzzy and nostalgic. That did at the very end of Breaking Down Part Two when she puts her shield down and they like get to see all of the memories from her perspective, which I don't know why she would see herself from her perspective. It is what it is. But um <laughs> She like that part made me all warm and fuzzy. And I honestly almost cried during the credits when they were like going back and showing all the people and a thousand years was playing, which also when that song came out, the trajectory of the world actually went in reverse. Like everything (laughs) got thrown off its axis. Every person who was getting married said, that's what I'm walking down the aisle to. But I don't know. I like almost cried. It was like, There's, it's a fun journey to go back on. And it's like kind of sweet. There are some sweet, tender moments to it. And I was actually going to ask you about the wedding because like, I really enjoyed the wedding, especially being at mm-hmm. yours. Like I was like seeing the way that they presented it. It had all of the feels of like, a, oh, you're actually very excited to see these two get married. Right. And I think the skeptic in me was also expecting something bad to potentially happen at the wedding or like some sort of extra conflict. But it's like, no, this is a moment where we've sat through four movies. We've talked about this. We've been setting this up. Enjoy this tender moment between these two people who genuinely love each other. Yeah. Okay. 
all right, I'm here for that. I'm I'm not mad at that at all. It's actually quite sweet, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, it felt pretty authentic, and I just wanted to get the validation from you who had the experience now if it yeah. hit the right notes for you. It is. It does make me laugh, like, kind of cackle when they, they go to the, the guests, and it's Stephanie Meyer is one of the guests <laughs> right there. <laughs> but it is really nice. I, I just feel like out of everything, I think, honestly, the wedding is one of the parts to me that kind of matched the like the feeling that you would have wanted to get after reading the book and seeing it like that from page to screen is one of the most successful things for me and that whole sequence I think is just very well done because I feel like that's first of all finally in the Breaking Dawn movies this is the first time that they kiss and it doesn't hurt me to watch them kiss like I feel like it finally feels like okay they kiss and like it's nice <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're kissing each other burning each other's mouths like it, it's like oh this is nice but I feel like the way that they shoot it it's kind of like from Bella's perspective and and even hearing like um flightless bird American mouth like the acoustic version and like the the crowd falling away that to me is the most successful their relationship I like the most I felt their relationship authentically on screen and been like damn yeah this is like they really really love each other and even like the speeches that whole section to me is really funny I just feel like this like the whole way that this wedding plays out it's really good it's really I good. Like, I feel like the tension with Jacob is really successful in this moment, too. Mm -hmm. It's impressive how well they imbue the whole wedding and the wedding scenes with that emotion, though, when they have, like, the horror nightmare wedding right beforehand, yeah. um, which also is so fun. And it's like the rose petals falling like snow, and then it turns to blood on the ground, and her hand is bloody, <laughs> and his mouth is bloody, and they're on the pile of bodies. Like... That scene goes so fucking crazy, I think, actually. Um, and then for them to be able to, like, rein it back in and just be like, but they are in love. Like, they might be monsters, but they're monsters who love each other. And, like, they're doing all of these speeches and Emmett's being like, you're never going to sleep again. But then Renee gets up there and she sings a little lullaby. Like, I <laughs> love that part. It's so funny to me. Yeah. And then again, for Team Edward again, he's like, your presence here, Bella. I'm going to go take you to talk to your bestie who you wanted to be your maid of honor, I think, if I'm recalling Yeah, the correctly. best man. He says best man. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm, I'm excited for Jacob to be here for you. I'm excited that you can go. You, you want your bestie here? I want your bestie here. Yeah. yeah. But diabolical behavior, once again, on Bella's part, to have the audacity to be like, I think I want Jacob to be like up at the like uh, standing up there when we get married like investing your friendship with angela she's right there acting a little brand new due to the marriage absolutely that's what i'm saying uh, bella be acting like her shit don't sink a little bit sometimes <laughs> and like i know to jacob and edward it doesn't but rein it in <laughs> yeah but i mean that moment gets slightly soured a bit right as we introduce what will soon be the main conflict of the first yeah. breaking dawn which is uh, getting busy and potentially getting pregnant as well. Um, one, don't even hint towards any of that to Jacob. Like, why? Like, like, like yeah. Why? why did you say that? What? Wh We're gonna <laughs> smash on the honeymoon. I don't know if you didn't know that, but I'm gonna make it really clear to you. We will be smashing on this honeymoon. 
It's like right. completely unnecessary, but of course that pisses Jacob off. We'll get back to Jacob. Um, but <laughs> you know, they do do the they have their honeymoon, and again, I'm already on Team Edward at this point, but I give Edward props is like, look, I know you got that vampire money, but you did show her to a very nice honeymoon from everything that I could see. Like y'all are having a very nice time. You got a private island. I okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a, pri- a private place just to you guys for y'all to have some very, very steamy PG-13 sex. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, you're doing the thing. Yeah. We have said for several, several films, we have alluded to this whole humans cannot have vampire babies. Why are y'all not wrapping it up? Come on now. Come on oh, now. No. Come on now. We really playing no protection at this point. Why would he have sperm? (laughs) Riddle me that. A a human condom could not hold him. Yeah, I mean (laughs) that's that's true. Thing also, like the their vampire. They okay in the books. They can't open mouth kiss even because Mm -hmm. if any of his spit got in her mouth, it could enter her bloodstream. So they have really been keeping it wrapped up until this point. But as far as they know, they're really the only human vampire love connection that exists in that way. Because if it was like a real love connection, then they would both be vampires by now so that they could be fully equals and be together. But it's just because of Edward's view of his own eternal damnation that he's like, I will put that off as long as I can. And Bella is like, and... I'm a very horny teenage girl. So, like, Mm -hmm. Stephanie Meyer's Mormonism prevents me from having sex until now that I'm married. But I will absolutely be having sex and lots of it now that I'm married. Like, I'm... Right. I'm... She's willing to die for the dick. And she makes that really abundantly clear. Yeah. She said, break the bed. Break me. Who cares? (laughs) Let's go. They're so unimaginative that they can't figure out ways a to go better way. about this. Um, where why is he on top? There's other things you can do. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, ladies, ladies. No, no. Because I will, wait, wait. I will say, I will say, them getting it on and him like breaking the uh-huh. breaking the show or whatever handle that he's yeah. holding while they're having sex. That show was pretty hot. I give it to him. But cinematically, <laughs> it's like they're still floating oh, down the next Yeah, morning. still floating out <laughs> as she wakes up. But it's like if you really care about being worried about break, if you don't let her ride you, like <laughs> exactly. come on. Oh my like, god. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> think about it. The thing about like they can act like Edward's been just sitting, just sitting, not like he's never watched porn in his one hundred plus he years has of being alive. Sort of Victorian sensibilities. Yeah, he I'm sure he picked missionary. up a scantily yeah. clad like like magazine newsprint he's at been some to point. Med school though, you'd think he, he's been to yeah. all. He's been to college a bunch of times. Like he can read everybody's thoughts. He's not picking up anything by proxy. His his siblings have been breaking down houses having sex (laughs) for decades. I know he glimpsed something. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I guess I have to be on top. And so, yeah, he ends up hurting her, which is uh, like he's very upset about. But they actually end up having sex twice, which is once more than Edward had (laughs) expected (laughs) to do it. So that was good. But yeah, we do. This is the only the first relationship that on record 
that has ever been like this. And so from Edward's perspective, that should not be something yeah, it, that they it, should it have to have. worry like, about. I, I but, give it shit because it's just like, come on. But like also right. it it's sensible that they wouldn't expect that to happen, one. And yeah. two, it's just it I feel like for the trajectory of the story at this point, it just makes sense. Like we where we are a lot of foreshadowing they keep being like the only reason she would get married at 18 is if she was pregnant and like they have the chronology a little wrong but everyone for like two movies now since the marry me at the end of new moon has been like is she pregnant pregnant? what's going on so they told you a thousand times they just also told you haha that could never happen unless unless yeah and so yeah, Bella is pregnant. That's the main conflict for this first one is her pregnancy. Funnily enough, this is the best that Edward has ever looked and the worst <laughs> that Bella <laughs> has ever looked because she, this baby, is sucking every ounce of nutrients <laughs> that she has in her body. This baby is breaking her from the inside out. And she is adamant, though, that she will have this baby, despite it's like half of the family wants that like them to figure out a way to get rid of it before it kills Bella. And then the other half, including Bella, want to see this baby through to delivery and then at the last second be turned into a vampire. Also, one final note of how clearly they were trying to make Edward like I am a gentle shining knight in armor is they're like no Edward did kill people but all of those people were murderers isn't that nice (laughs) like I like how they had to throw they're like no but okay yeah he murdered people when he was a vampire but those people were gonna murder other people it's like yeah can he just be a bad boy for a moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah he is the He's the heart and soul of this universe. Like, that's the romance. He couldn't possibly have really done anything wrong. He just has to have done something that he thinks is wrong. Therefore, he punishes himself. But he tells Bella to be like, I'm a monster. And she's like, actually, I think you probably saved lives. Yeah. Actually, I think that's that's kind of hot, actually. Um, She's into it. Where were you when Rosalie is getting attacked? You know, like, it seems like we could have solved some problems here. (laughs) I wish she would have given that justification of like, you probably actually saved lives without us getting the context of that he killed murderers. I I wish she just made that assumption for herself. Like, no, I no, think no, whatever you, brought, you, you did, it was right. You had a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Bella is just destroyed throughout this entire film. She is falling apart. <laughs> she is, her bones are cracking. She looks go- like very, very emaciated. For most of this movie, this is the most that Jacob and Edward have ever worked together because they're both trying to convince Bella that she is making a poor decision. And Jacob breaks away from the pack. He I was, It's kind of a cool. I do like the way that they portrayed that scene because I do think that that scene can have been very, very corny where he like breaks apart. But I like the way that they portrayed him like submitting mm-hmm. and then breaking through. I do think what he says is corny, but the way that it's like they did the the way the wolves like react into it, yeah. I think looks really cool. I will say this is the 
this one to me both one and two despite being the later films in the series have some of the worst cgi of all of the films oh yeah absolutely but it's like at this point i don't care uh, just like, <laughs> i'm they, in yeah <laughs> to, to be just honest especially if you're doing this in like marathon mode at this point your brain's not even registering it anymore where it's like i noticed for a second i was like fuck it no there's there's more important things more pressing matters on the screen um but i do agree with like a lot of the wolf section it like i like the break off and this brief beautiful period of time is when i was like jacob you're finally going somewhere like mm -hmm. we're, we're getting something good with jacob and then the imprint happens and it's just absolute down hillary from here in my in my eyes there's there's no i i'm seeing looks from you guys of like maybe you're gonna <laughs> defend this but i <laughs> no, cannot this is in any lifetime believe that we accept this imprint plot no it's... there's just no way <laughs> It's bonkers. There's, there's, there's just no way. There is there's no, fucking no way. way. My favorite part of it is they try and kind of retroactively be like, well, that's whatever they need you to be a brother, a protector, a friend. <laughs> but no, because the first time that Jacob talked about it, he basically said, like, you are in love with that person. Everything about, like, you want to be with that person. That is how he explained it to Bella. And. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, well, but... I'm not saying I want to date this two-year-old. I'm just saying one day I'm going to date this two-year-old. Yeah, if the baby wants me to be a babysitter or a friend, a funny guy, that's <laughs> what I'm here for. It's like, no, you can't... She's a baby right now, so, like, you can't do anything, but you're in love with this baby. First of all, this baby looks insane. They <laughs> the, the thing about it... They wait, were wait, was it so... a CGI baby? It's a C because here's yeah, what they did. You can see its face is fully CGI'd onto whatever was there. The face isn't even staying fully on the head. It's like the, <laughs> the face has a little lag. It's like trying to catch up to the, to the head. But they wanted so desperately, like they had um, already cast Mackenzie, Mackenzie Foy. Foy. It had to be a beautiful baby, um, Roshane. You don't understand. Yeah, that when that is the thing is it's like in the books they're like, oh my god, it's the most beautiful like baby, obviously because like it looks just like her parents, and so she's like the most gorgeous baby in the world, right? But they had already cast Mackenzie Foy, and they were dedicated. They said <laughs> we're gonna make sure this baby looks like you, and then it's gonna look like you at eighteen. It's gonna we're look gonna like you, even Mackenzie though Mackenzie Foy's eleven-year-old face on this adult woman's body, and really try to somehow make you forget the implications of this whole imprinting thing even though we're yeah. using this 11 year old's face to be like and here she is as an adult woman in love with taylor lautner like it's it's actually sick and like <laughs> the thing about it too is they were so convinced they were like we have to use we have to make a baby look beautiful. It's like, just find a cute fucking baby <laughs> and like use a baby and you'll find like, you can find a baby that looks like, like Kristen Stewart and, and Robert Pattinson. If they had a bit, you could easily find a baby that looks like that. I'm not going to clock the baby and say, <laughs> that baby didn't grow into that. Like just find a cute looking baby, have it smile at Jacob and have him imprint. The fact that not only no, 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 no. just cut that last part. <laughs> Baby, it can't be cut. It's in the books. 
it's the whole plot of the books. And so it's like the fact that he imprints not just on a baby, but a baby that looks like a cyber nightmare also does not bold well for for Jacob because yeah. it's it's horrifying to see. <laughs> a, a, a couple points of note that I do want to go through though. Um, one, Renezme. Awful. The worst name I've ever yeah. heard. I'm I, I'm sorry to any Renezmes that but exist. But also to be fair, uh, <laughs> Edward Jacob. I know everyone in the movie is like that's not that bad. It's worse actually. So we're glad it's a girl. That's actually Jacob, like that's so illegal. rude. That's so disrespectful. That would have been that. That would have been my as Edward. That's my breaking point. <laughs> that's where I draw I'm the line. I'm snapping. I'm snapping. Edward Jacob, are you kidding me? <laughs> so there's that. Um, also, the back break with the whole pregnancy thing looks <laughs> wild. I, you, I obviously we don't have visuals here, but that visual. <laughs> It's insane so, it's she did so full on funny. human origami that was absolutely wild to me but Very funny. yeah i just the, that jacob plotline really when I, when I say it took me out it just it took me all the way out like i couldn't i couldn't it's really rough because <laughs> jacob has told us earlier in the franchise i think in breaking down part one but maybe in breaking down part two could have been in a completely different one he is horrified by the concept of imprinting and like we know it yeah. has like terrible lasting effects sometimes like we've seen it with the whole sam emily leah love triangle sam was with leah until he imprinted on her cousin and now they all have to live in the same little brain together hearing each other's thoughts so that sucks quill imprinted on a toddler and we see him playing with the toddler at the beach in an earlier scene and everyone's kind of just like that's ah. unfortunate yeah like they kind of tried to establish early on like by the way you could fall in love with the baby but it would be fine um they don't really sell it very well but they they really paint this picture of it ahead of time of being this horrifying haunting thing outside of your control but also something he kind of wants because at least then he would be able to move on from Bella who has not chosen him. Um, is it mm -hmm. the worst possible scenario for everybody involved? Yes. But also it's the yeah. only real way to resolve the love triangle. So you kind of have to respect it <laughs> yeah. in many ways too. <laughs> I, I will give it one one good thing that came out of it is the the fallout scene where Bella calls him out for imprinting on yeah. her daughter is kind of legendary. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's a great scene. And yes, it's like, that's one thing in the books. We don't really get Jacob's perspective uh, as much in the film. But yeah, he really is. There's a lot of. He's got well, a whole chunk of perspective in Breaking Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Really is it's like, which also is another reason is a, another reason that I kind of didn't yeah. finish Breaking Dawn is because, yeah, this is one time where we switch and we're completely Jacob's perspective. And it's, it's crazy. a long it's time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop it right here. And I never went back. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't get that same thing in the movies. And so you don't get that same implication of how terrified. Because there's a lot of being a werewolf that Jacob like rejects. He doesn't want or he that he doesn't want to accept. But yeah, imprinting is one of those things. And then he just it's like they let him. And then <laughs> the fact, too, that he's like, oh, OK. <laughs> 
that's kind of <laughs> cool. And then the fact that Edward is like, oh, thank God you imprinted on my baby so that these werewolves don't kill her. Right. This is the best thing that could have Talk happened. Talk about convenient plot That's points. exactly the one I was thinking of earlier where I was like, oh, it's really convenient now. And you're just telling us now that if yeah. he imprinted on the baby, then they'll leave the whole family alone. So I guess I'm glad he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the it's so... Okay, I mentioned The Host earlier, which is another Stephanie Meyer novel, and they did a movie adaptation, and I was thinking about it because I was listening to your guys' No One Will Save You episode, and it's also Alien Invasion. Mm. Um, But the way that (laughs) Stephanie Meyer sets up love triangles and then resolves them is consistently batshit, Um, and the way that they do it in this movie is so crazy to me because it's like, actually... I was never even in love with Jacob and Jacob was never really in love with me. He just was in love with the potential that was inside of me and he didn't know that until it was outside of me. But as soon as it was like, actually, we can be cool now. And actually, he's a little stinky to me. Yeah, actually, he's pissing me off because he won't (laughs) let me hold my baby and him and Edward are really good friends now. It was the egg inside of me the whole time. He was attracted to that and thank god we got here like thank god i had the baby because what else would we have done it's upsetting and and then all of breaking dawn part two jacob's entire existence is a a toddler (laughs) yeah yeah he's like toddler babysitter role but he's almost like i and again i hate him in this whole film because of the (laughs) imprinting thing i just want that to be said at the start of this um but (laughs) We do kind of get like this like guardian Jacob background character that I was for the sake of everything else that's happening in the movie. I was okay with it. Where it's just like you're I know that you're only going to pop up when we need somebody to guard Renezme. And that's I I cannot believe I'm using that. (laughs) But every time that she needs guarding, that's when we're going to have Jacob. Outside of that, we got other things that we're dealing with. Um, A lot of which one more time, just because we're on the last one. Let's talk about the conflict here, because the conflict is the immortal children, right? Mm -hmm. That whole idea where that is against their vampire laws. You don't change children because they're uncontrollable. And also it just strikes as kind of weird. Um, And so it gets ousted that they have a immortal child and that upsets. Irina. The Volt. Irina, who then tells who goes and snitches and now it's about to be vampire warfare could have just asked them could have had the conversation first she's got trauma Uh, surrounding immortal vampires but also you think that would make her more sympathetic to them because like her mom got killed by the Volturi for creating one and so you'd think she would be like I don't want that to happen to anyone else instead of that needs to happen to everyone immediately. It's only fair. Um, but she also hates them for being friends with the wolf. Oh, yeah. She, like, Laurent, remember him? Um, that was kind of her boyfriend <laughs> a little bit. So they never really mm. showed that at any point, but they kind of just, like, mention at one point, especially at the wedding in the beginning when she's, like, glaring at the wolves and they're kind of looking back. It's like... She doesn't. She can't even believe they're here because they killed Laurent, and she doesn't believe that Laurent was trying to kill Bella. So, like, she is she is kind of an anti-Bella perspective. Right. I love that Bella doesn't pipe in and isn't like, "No, dead ass." He tried to (laughs) eat me. Like, she just stands there and lets. He was nice about it, but he was gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah, but he really was gonna kill me. She's just like, "Eh, it's a wedding." Like, 
He was just a go-along <laughs> to get-along guy. Arena's like, he wanted to be like us. Mm, I think he wanted to be with you. And so whatever, <laughs> whatever it took, but you weren't there right then. So he thought he could get away with it. <laughs> but it does feel like the a lot of part two is kind of wrapping up all of these different plot lines that we have. And it all kind of like culminates in this battle, which question, are we just in the same field for all of the fights? Probably, we yeah. are well uh, <laughs> yes but also it's the, it's the meadow well i don't know it's i yeah I, it looks like it it's like probably i'm surprised they probably just go to that same place every time they're like this is a good it's isolated the vampire equ equivalent of like going outside at recess to go fight yeah. is what i was getting they found a nice little ground they're like we like this but about the battle so you must mm -hmm. understand when this movie came out this ending in the movie this whole battle is not does not exist in, right there's no in, fight right I, I i read somewhere that there's no actual fights correct what happens in the book is that bella's been practicing her shield and the voltori mm -hmm. get there and she is able from moment one to expand her shield to her whole side of the battle so they can't do shit to them with their powers maybe they could come over and start throwing fisticuffs but they don't try it they're just like oh no without mm -hmm. our powers we're powerless and then they like make peace yeah um so it's all fine everything's sweet yeah like basically right away they're like we figured this shit out like nobody you already knew you're like the colons are good to go so when this happened and Carlisle's head got popped off like a Barbie doll. <laughs> People were shaking. People were screaming, it was crying, crazy. throwing up in the theaters. It was blow. People were like, <gasps> like, because all these characters that were were dying that were never supposed to die, and it was blowing people's minds. Also, one thing I meant to mention this in the third one. I hate the like glass the breaking effect aspect of them. It's awful to me oh my god it makes me cringe every time it just look it doesn't play it, well it's I not great but i do think it allows them to get away with some more brutality than what they would normally get away with despite the fact that it does feel like the vampire K ko move is choke slam into yeah. snow and then rip head off it just makes yeah. it feel very easy to like oh so you just have to give them a nice swift kick and like they'll break into <laughs> glass like why isn't every vampire dead like dead like why edward why are you acting like it's so hard to be killed just have alice kick you in the chest and apparently you'll shatter into a thousand pieces it's like okay but, but you um, have to burn the pieces or they'll recombobulate you're forgetting that part that's true you do have to burn the pieces, the pieces. will crawl back to mm -hmm. each other if you don't burn them <laughs> very important but Let yeah this this <laughs> yeah show me this whole battle yeah was blowing people's minds and of course it ends up all being a vision um it also the runtime would be my this movie actually has like the shortest runtime because it's a part two of a they didn't have that much to cover yeah without without this battle the movie would be much shorter and it is cool to see everybody utilize like all of what we've seen throughout the movie and like give a little bit more of an oomph because it is very anticlimactic to be like, we're building up to a battle and then get there and be like, actually, Bella's so fucking She's good. So that like that we don't really, we don't even have to yeah. fight. I will say I yeah. put in my notes this time around. I'd never thought about it before, but like these vampires, okay, you have to break their heads off and then burn them, but they seem very flammable the second that you put fire to them <laughs> We've got Rami Malek on our side who can control the elements and create fire. Why are yeah. we not throwing fireballs at them and destroying the Volturi from moment he is, one? 
he is ridiculously overpowered. They yeah. were not thinking straight with his power. He can open he can up the crust of the earth? Like, that, like, straight to, straight hell. to hell. It's, like, burning. And falling <laughs> just, in. Just because... Just because he has amazing acting ability does not mean he also gets all of the best vampire abilities. That's not um, fair. That's I not fair. I feel like okay. interesting. We said Bella has the best vampire abilities. She's the strongest of them all. She's, she can Not only is she a shield, but she has self-control, <laughs> ultra self-control. Which I did um, put in my notes, like, okay, Bella, raised by a sort of flighty absentee mom, goes to her dad's house who never cooks a meal for her. She has been repressing her needs and her own desires other than her desire for Edward literally her whole life. So, like, supernatural self-control. I'm actually buying in. I mean, yes, but in the books, they literally describe it as she just doesn't want Edward to be disappointed like, in her. So that's the only reason gross. that she like, contains yeah. herself. She's like, I don't want him to get the ick, so I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm going to oh sit here God. completely <laughs> rigid during my transformation, during which most people are writhing in agony. Yeah. Because the idea of Edward thinking that he's hurt me is untenable. So I'm just going to suffer in silence, actually. It's fine. But... Seeing all these vampires that have these over-the-top powers, I seeing them all in one place is a bit of a hard pill to swallow. I think that <laughs> you get powers like Edward's and Alice's, which are very internal. It's like the uh -huh. stuff that they can do. It's like, okay, yeah, I can read your mind or I can see the future, but it's not like we watch them shooting electricity out of their hands and, yeah, like controlling water like a waterbender, like, okay, Aquaman. It was it's giving just... Avatar. But he's the Avatar, yeah. And then he's like, I'm just a guy he, here. He is I'm one. just chilling. He's like, I guess I'll help. <laughs> he literally can control all the elements. And he's like, I guess I'll help you guys. <laughs> it's just, it's too much when you see it all it's, culminate. In but it's like, it's fun though, in a way where like, I, so I found a lot of, um similarities watching through this that i feel watching through like the harry potter films where it's just mm -hmm. like when you are just that engrossed in a fandom right you just want to see whatever in universe that you you can get like you're you're there for all of it and so it's like watching that sequence i was like yeah nah this this is deathly hollows i i, I remember that feeling of just seeing sparks flying and like all of these powers that i've heard about for several books being like shot at each other and just like the visceral feeling of that i am sure that it was a a a absolute moment in time for people that didn't know that <laughs> what was going to happen in that fight sequence i'll reveal that i did like i knew yeah. that it was like not really a thing mm -hmm. and so i kind of went into that whole sit situation knowing that and that's what just made it really feel like a waste of time because it's oh, just yeah. like it was all a dream. No, like without <laughs> without that effect of being like, oh my god, Carlisle's actually dead. I was just like, why are we in this field? I don't care about this. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's none of, none of this is amounting to anything. It yeah. Once you know that it's all just like basically a dream, it's just a, it's fun. It makes it fun to watch. But yeah, there's no <laughs> no stakes or anything in it. I think, though, what's, like, fun about a magic fight, like, in Harry Potter, that's not as fun about, t like, the Twilight fights is at the end of the day, it's it's different when you're just watching a man punch a big wolf in the face <laughs> rather than, like, like people using wands. Arrow like up into space, hello. <laughs> yeah. Also, 
also arrows arrows fucking laugh when he meets renee oh yeah the it's the best i, I eat it's it the up best. Yeah, i love it michael sheen is having has so much to be fun. in this episode you have you have to oh yeah that has to be in this episode that, honestly that laugh <laughs> maniacal <laughs> Oh, fucking but good. Michael Sheen is eating that. Sh- he, lo- he he's having so much fun playing. Like you can tell, and he's so good at, <laughs> at that character because it's so unexpected. It's like, what? What's wrong with you? But yeah, I mean, we have this whole battle, and then it turns out Alice is like, that could be you. And there is another, <laughs> there is another kid just like Renesme who thankfully stops growing and has been alive for 150 years, and. So everything's great. Everything's fine. Yeah. She's gonna be fine. Her and she's Jacob will be turn fine. She's and then she gets to be eighteen forever. And then because she's not aging, Jacob doesn't have to age. And Bella is nineteen, and Edward is seventeen, and they all get to stay right at that little range They're forever. Be together forever. <laughs> together Nobody forever. Nobody wants to mature past that point, right? We all know that's the peak prime of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> That, that's when it's revealed it's that this is all a horror film. <laughs> You're stuck in your teen years forever. When you, when you really think about it, it's like, yikes. <laughs> Everyone's okay with him potentially dating their daughter. That's they okay. even have the joke in there of, oh, is it cool if I, call, I call you, you dad? dad? Come on. Come on. Ew. Do not, do not introduce the imprinting <laughs> idea. Then... Walk it back one movie prior being like, no, it's not what you think it is. Then the next movie make a joke about how it's exactly what you think it is. I see what you're doing here. And that shit is weird. (laughs) Cut it out. Yeah. It's like, okay, I actually am going to bang your daughter and probably marry her. So should I start calling you dad? Uh, And by the way, I'm going to do it in maybe seven years. She's going to be seven years old. She's aging a little differently. (laughs) She'll look 18, but she'll be seven. Yeah. We'll we'll play by ear, but. She's aging kind of quick, so we'll we'll figure it out. Um, maybe just keep her informed about what's going on. But I also like how the like bleh vampires are like, hey guys, just they yeah they left, but like we're probably still gonna have a war in the future. I love how everyone just starts laughing and like kissing They're each like- other. They're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. everything's fine. They like laugh them off when that's pretty st- like yeah we actually are probably gonna have some big issues in the future but for now everything's okay and then like i said the ending of this movie like i just feel like it like just tugged on that warm place in my heart that like keeps the twilight movie is locked away and it just like made me feel all nice and warm and fuzzy and it almost made me cry and i was like wow what a treat but i will say i do think breaking down part one is better than part two i also think that breaking down part one is one of the better filmed like movies as far as like the sequencing and the stylizing i think the second half of it is absolutely absurd but i just think the way that it's filmed it is one of the better of the films i think breaking down part one and then new moon are probably like cinematically the adaptation from book to film was like the most successful for me I did like in New Moon, like in the books, she just hears Edward's voice in her head. And I thought they did a lot of fun things with like the phantom Edward in New Moon, specifically the scene where she has thrown herself off the cliff 
and she's in the water and she's literally dying, drowning, and she's at peace and the apparition of Edward is next to her. And then Jacob comes and drags her out of the water and dragging her through, it like dissolves the illusion of him. Um, Mm -hmm. They're doing cinema at many points throughout this franchise. They're doing cinema. Yeah. You know where they're doing cinema during the birth scene where Edward chews through the umbilical cord question mark? Yeah, he's like ripping the baby out of her stomach so he has to chew through her. They decided to make that a little bit more implied than show it <laughs> like this how it is in the book. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, they told you earlier that ultrasound can't penetrate this little vampire placenta or whatever. So like it's our thick. normal baby delivering tools are not going to cut it. We've got to get Edward's razor sharp teeth in here. Fit those chompers in there. And I've already accepted Renesme. It's okay. We can we, we can keep going. You don't have to fight for it. <laughs> but I, I in lieu of rating, because this is such an up and down, I would actually rather just have each of us pick our favorite film from the Twilight Saga and what our number one film is. And we'll let the people know at least that that's the one if you had to rate one the highest scale like what what would be your number one pick you said homies go watch this twilight which one would it be uh well chelsea you want to go first as our guest sure um i think you know i i think all of the twilight movies are special and wonderful in their own way um but i think the original twilight takes it for me like It had the hardest job, and I think it did it so masterfully. It's still really fun. It's still really silly. There's all of these really weird, random details in there. Like, I couldn't – I always miss it when I'm watching, but um, I wanted to point out to Roshane – that there's a moment where Edmund is carrying around just like a bag of eggs to appear like he's a human who eats. Yeah. Um, and there is a moment when they're trying on the dresses where Jessica's like, I think this dress makes my boobs look great. And then later at the prom, Bella is like, your boobs, great. Like, they have so many funny little human elements to it. They really let the the human high school kids be characters in that movie. And like, I it's so fun. I think it's so silly. I think it is so, like, aware of what the story is that it's telling in a way that um, the audience wasn't necessarily prepared for, in a way, where it's like, the the teens took it so seriously. And the movie was mm-hmm. like, this is not that, this is very silly, and we're going to make it a little silly, and we're going to do the flashback and have the Cullens in the old-timey clothing in the sepia. And we're going to have, when Bella's on her Google journey, um, she's going to have, like, a vision of, like, Edward leaning over her, classic style, on the fainting couch. And, like, she's going to touch a corpse and then be like, why does this remind me of Edward? Like, I think they, they, they pulled it off really well for what could have been a very hard story to adapt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, Erica, second expert. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go later on. I'm going to say Breaking Down Part 1 because oh. I feel like you get that's the movie where you get a mixture of some of the ridiculousness, like some of the stuff that makes the first Twilight fun, but then you also get some of the more serious stuff of a later on. I feel like it's a good mix. Like I still laugh at stuff in this movie. 
Um, but there's also stuff where I'm like, that was actually really nice. And I feel like this is Edward and Bella at their best. This is Jacob being more palatable than he has been for the last three movies. And I feel like it's very well shot. And if nothing else, like just all of the pregnancy stuff is so funny to me. And I just think it's so fun. And then part two gets a little bit too like part two becomes boring a little bit to me again. Something about part one just feels it's got the oomph I need. It's got a little bit of all the Twilight movies. It's got a razzle dazzle from each of them. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Okay. I hear you both. And but for me, it's pretty easy. Um, I, I actually agree with you, Chelsea. I think the first Twilight is by far the best one. Um, and it's just because of something I was saying earlier on, where I do feel like for me, the franchise loses fun the deeper you go into it. And just like the less I get interested in what's happening in the story, and the more I'm just like, I'm here for the characters, I feel that quite heavily as i'm watching through these but the first one is a lot of fun um even if i think a lot of the stuff in twilight is silly it's still an enjoyable movie like the characters are fun to hang out with um learning about the situation is a good time and it's like it's one of those movies out of all of them i think it is the twilight where someone was like hey do you want to watch twilight i'd be like yeah sure you want to watch twilight eclipse i'd be like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i feel like getting introduced into the world of twilight is some of the most fun that i had with twilight so i think for that reason blue filter aside the first one kind of takes the cake but i will say that breaking down part one would absolutely be my my second pick um just Mm -hmm. because it does feel like taking the characters from the first twilight and then fast forwarding or time skipping and seeing where they are later, I feel like you're right. It still captures some of the essence of the first film while having more polish to it, where it's just like things look mm. prettier. Um, we're allowed a lot more heartfelt moments because these characters are more mature. So we give off where we give away some of the comedy, but we allow ourselves to ground ourselves in the story a bit more. And I think you really feel that in Breaking Dawn Part One. So that would be my runner up. But the first Twilight's going to take the cake, absolutely. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. If you want to go watch Twilight, maybe just watch the first one and then skip to Breaking On Part 1. But that's it for our Valentine's episode. That's it for the Twilight Saga. Um, we know this was a long one, but I had a great time. I very much enjoyed talking about these. I feel fulfilled. I feel like <laughs> I, my heart is at peace. And I've had such a blast finally knowing that Roshane can now understand all of my Twilight references. So that is a joy for me. A um, before, <laughs> yeah, what a little treat for me. Um, but please, homies, we would like to thank once again our special guest, Chelsea. Thank you so much for coming on and talking Twilight with us. Um, we very very much appreciate you taking time out of your life to first of all rewatch all of the movies but mm-hmm. also sit here and talk about <laughs> all five of them with us as well so thank you um please be sure to go and follow spooky tuesday um please go and check them out wherever you listen to your podcasts and is there anything else you would like to say chelsea before we round it out 
Um, I want to say thank you for having me. Thank you for an opportunity to watch the Twilight movies again. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to break out my um, Twilight New Moon the Movie the Board game, which I have. <laughs> um, is it was so it's so fun to watch someone watch Twilight for the first time and getting to see Roshane experience those first three movies. That was special. That mm-hmm. was a good time. I, I so. will absolutely say that Chelsea was a fantastic guide through those first Twilights. Um, best host around, but also just a lot of fun to share that experience with. I'm happy it was with you. And if you homies would like to talk to us a little bit more about the Twilight series, you can always talk to us on social media. We are homies of horror on everything. You can also email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. Our email is homiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can slip into the Discord if you want to chit-chat with us, other homies, see some horror news posts, but discuss other things as well. The Discord link is in our social media bios. If you're listening to this on Monday, you will definitely, definitely want to come through our Twitch tonight if you are a Twilight fan. Um, Hear us discuss this saga a little bit more in detail, go into some things we couldn't talk about in the episode, and also watch us play some spooky games. We'd love to see you in the chat. The link for that is also in our social media bios. And last, but certainly never least, if you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners and we just like to hear what you homies are thinking of the show so if you have an apple account and haven't done that we'd love for you to over on spotify just hit the stars underneath our name to rate us once again thank you homies for hanging out for our very long but as thorough as we can make it dissection of the twilight series thank you for indulging me and we will be seeing you homies next week with a brand new episode bye